You're listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Furious 7. My name is Tom Chick, and I am here with Christian Malinsky. Wrong. Double alpha. And with our Furious 7 tagline, Kelly Wand. You know what I say when it's Corona time? Absolutely not. (laughs) A nice little inside joke from Kelly Wand about... uh, one of our favorite meat cutes in all of cinematic history, especially Dingus loves this one from um, Big Trouble in Little China. I have backups. Oh, Kelly, one. What is a backup tagline for Furious Seven? Uh, guess I can cross crying in a Fast and Furious movie off my bucket list. Aw, Kelly, that one was sweet. That was uncharacteristically touching, Kelly. Wow. Wow. All right, here's the other one. Okay. Heroes never have grenades; they're always the victims. I would need you to unpack that one for me. There you go. That one nearly means a lot to me. I'm not sure I understand the one about heroes have never have grenades. They're always getting them thrown at them. They never bring them. Fucking Jason Statham, his signature weapon's a grenade. And in... Um, I'm sure... Then you need to explain that to The Rock. The guest. And you need to explain it to Tom Cruise in Edge of Tomorrow. Kelly one, I'm afraid we're blowing holes left and right in your, your third backup tagline. So And you, Tom Cruise in West War of the Worlds. See, you did fine with your first two taglines. Let's pretend that third one never happened, shall we? Just like the Fast and Furious franchise did. For the <laughs> Very, <long> nice. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Very nice, Tom. Now, before we start, uh, Kelly Wand, would you like to read to us a an IMDb synopsis and have us guess the movie? Yeah, I want to know if you've seen this movie, because I right. don't think I have. Um, this one's hey, a little lengthy. Wait, real quick, you say you don't think you have. Like, from, from knowing the title of the movie and even reading the synopsis, you're not sure if you've seen it. No, because parts of it sound familiar. It just sounds so, I don't know. And Markardson sent some good ones, too. But this one I needed to really get off my chest. Because you know how I look for, like, connections between these and, like, what we're supposed to be talking about? Well, give us uh, give us a read of the synopsis, and we'll see if we can help you. Set in a post-apocalyptic future. Sounds good so far. I like where this is going. Go on. Favorite kind of Sam, <laughs> Sam Treadwell. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, oh. Uh, yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say. I'm that, pretty impressed. Actually, you know what the problem is? Uh, there are a couple of actors named uh, Luke and uh, Harry Treadaway. Some English actors that uh, I'm confusing Sam Treadwell with. But go on. I get I, Josh I, Lucas and Lucas Black mixed up. Ironically, please. How do you, nobody has that problem. They both got Lucas, Allison Janney, and uh, who do you Allison confuse Allison Brie? Janney with? Allison, please. All right, so go ahead. So Brie Sam, Larson, yeah. Sam Treadwell, played by... Sam Treadwell, parentheses, David Andrews. Yeah, this sounds familiar. All right, go on. Sam Treadwell. I'm dying to know like if you've a, seen that, it. That name does sound familiar. Yeah, I feel like that's that's one of those where they could put it in the synopsis, and, and it's not as outrageous as when they put a random name that you never paid attention to. Right. Set in a post-apocalyptic future, Sam Treadwell lives in a society where romance, economics, and technology have evolved into a state where relationships of all sorts are commodities. Surrogates? No, you're thinking way too highbrow. Yeah, okay. Go on. I'm about to spoil it. Okay, that's fine. Go on. Sam has bought his one true love, a Cherry 2000. Oh, I'll say. I'll say. <laughs> uh, wait, tank girl. I have to say, I'm not sure if I've seen this either or not. Does, does, maybe, doesn't Melanie Griffith play? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I have wow. seen it. 
Yeah. And until she fries her circuits beyond repair, making love in the dishwasher, he was the happiest man on earth. Cherry 2000s are rare by 2017, and after Sam's friends have taken him out and tried to take his mind of things using a relationship broker, Sam is more lovelorn than ever and realizes he must have a Cherry 2000. All right. So, uh, so Kelly, I'm afraid I can't help you with whether or not you've seen it. Because uh, I, myself, I'm having the same issue. I'm not sure if I've seen it. Yeah. There's like five more paragraphs, but I'm just going to read this one sentence. Mm-hmm. Um. Fortunately for Sam, his beloved Android's personality disc is still intact, and the kindly old repair guy tells Sam to have a chance of a Cherry 2000. He must go to Zone 7, and to do that, he needs to hire a tracker, and to do that, he needs to go to Glory Hole. What? He's got a whole list of quests he's got to do there. Good last ben Johnson's in it. In yeah. It just keeps going. Anyway, Cherry 2000, let's watch it. That's my point. No, we actually we haven't checked in with Dingus. Dingus, have you seen Cherry 2000? Uh, that's a negative, Ghost Rider. All right. I would have thought Dingus is a Melanie Griffith completist. Uh, only Paul. only as far as Nobody's Fool is concerned. I'll watch that again and again. The Paul Newman one? Yeah. What else have we got to say? <laughs> well, by the way, if you want to see Melanie Griffith in another movie about uh, robots, she's in a... a, a I don't want to say it's terrible because it has some really provocative visuals uh, and it's got a good build-up. Um, but there's a movie called Automaton in which Antonio Banderas shaves his head. Uh, you don't see that very often. And he plays like a Blade Runner type character. And the future is um, it's, like a, it's like a bleak dystopian future where, where robots aren't allowed to repair themselves and they're, they're basically <laughs> regulated. So uh, and he investigates a robot that has been accused of murder. Um, and at some point in the investigation, he uncovers a, a brilliant scientist uh, who helps him repair one of the robots. And the brilliant scientist is played by Melanie Griffiths in one of the most unconvincing performances of her career uh, because she's good at certain things. But, you know, doing all the science gobbledygook uh, exposition talk that she has to do in Automaton, that's yeah. definitely not her strong point. Is she better than Christmas? What's her name? That would be Denise Richards. Oh, sorry. Playing Christmas Jones, renowned nuclear physicist in one of the James Bond movies. Right. They should reboot Working Girl, but she's a robot, like a maid robot. Who only wears lingerie. She vacuums naked, just like the robot does those little circular ones, the hockey pucks. Roombas. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty big for a hockey puck, Kelly Wand. I don't know what kind of hockey you watch. Jesus. Yeah. Well, he, I thought, just he was in Canada, girl. so he saw it up close, so the pucks are bigger. Ah, right. Yeah, little perspective tricks. The pucks are bigger, eh? Uh, Dingus, before we start, you mentioned that you specifically had something to say about movie <laughs> trailers this week. Oh. All right, Excited. that's right. Um, uh, I saw this movie in a very packed theater uh, that showed, I don't know, it felt like 15 trailers. I mean, they're... Jesus, there were so many trailers. And the most surprising trailer to come up was a trailer for the movie Poltergeist. Ugh. Um, old, old news, Dingus. You did not know about this reboot? I did not know about this reboot, and I think most of the people in my theater seemed not to know about it. What? Um, oh, this is actually an old trailer. Like, the trailer's been out. Maybe they haven't been running. I hate it. I hate the it. The trailer was released uh, at least a month or so ago. 
Oh, I had no idea. Impossible, yeah. based on the trailer. The trailer uh, me. But my theater was not pleased with having to watch this trailer. Um, <laughs> Wait, the, what? They didn't know what it was, though. I would think they would. No, they, they, what they didn't, what they weren't expecting was a trailer for what, what, could be a horror or a scary scary movie, which I, I, I guess somebody saw James Wan's name and they were just like, oh, let's throw a horror movie trailer on here. Um, the guy next to me who was pretty demonstrative during the whole movie about which cars he liked and which cars he didn't care for, um, <laughs> did, did not care Wait, for this. What you say? Did you see this in Colorado or an army? No, base? no, I saw it here, but it was not like at the art light. It was at my local theater, and and you know, it, there's a a weird mix of people. Um, but the, my favorite part of this whole thing was, I mean, the whole room was clearly like, oh, that's weird. Why are we watching this? Because it's just action movie, action movie, action movie trailer up until that moment where we saw the the Poltergeist trailer, and the whole room just seemed like had this weird vibe to it. And then this guy, a couple rows behind me, goes, I'm here to watch Cars. <laughs> Not ghosts. Fuck this shit. <laughs> That's what he said after the Poltergeist trailer. I'm here That's to what... watch Cars. And, no! and so the next Ooh, couple of trailers what? came through, and, and everybody else kind of echoed that through the theater. We're here to watch Cars. We're here to watch Cars. But so I loved that. People. Right after Poltergeist, this dude behind me goes, I'm here to watch Cars. That's fucking weird, that story. Because Poltergeist was like a blockbuster, like it was a summer blockbuster that happened to be a horror movie. Like I didn't, like it was one of the exciting tent poles of the summer, so I wouldn't expect it. The people but. in my theater, I, I got this weird, uh, this, uh, this thing, and there was murmuring throughout that uh, we're, we're not here to be scared, we're here to watch Cars. See, to me, that's that guy's weird, but you were the weird one in the whole audience. And they were all, yeah. Why am right? I the weird one? To them. Uh, hot, oh, all right. Anyway, moving on. Uh, my problem. Uh, with the, uh, go ahead, Kelly. No, no. Just my problem with the Poltergeist trailer isn't so much that they're rebooting Poltergeist. It's fine. You guys want to do that? It's fine. Uh, I'm even okay with them casting, and I can't remember the actress's name, but casting the psychic instead of the little diminutive woman with the pitched voice. Uh, I'm even okay with Jared Harris filling in for her. I'm certainly fine with Craig T. Nelson and Joe Beth Williams being replaced by Sam Rockwell, and I think it's Rosemary DeWitt. Uh, what I cannot abide, and by the way, I'm even okay with the scary clown being more scary and animated and we see it jumping around. That's fine. Uh, what I cannot abide is changing Carol Ann's name. You can't be running around screaming, Maddie, Maddie. Poltergeist isn't poltergeist unless the mother is screaming for Carol Ann. It makes no sense to me. Why would you do that? But that name just sort of fit that actress somehow well if, i mean yeah and it fits fits the action i mean you think you know it's carol ann it's carol ann you can't just change that name that's ridiculous that's like making a friday the 13th and naming the killer peter or the new ripley is like stagworts <laughs> just makes no sense wait so i think part of that is like they have to say the characters say carol ann a million times in the right movie, so, if that's, saying, so you hear carol ann searching light and like in this one, she doesn't get kidnapped or something, right? No, she gets kidnapped. It's just her name is Maddie. Yeah, that's boring. You're right. She also does this weird exorcist Maddie? thing up the stairs, and the the clown does this demon thing from the end of Paranormal Activity at the end of the trailer. It's, Which all I hate. I'm, it. I'm okay with that. That's fine. Just keep her name Carol Ann. 
I was, I was, uh, I don't know. I was sort of like ambivalent about a reboot, but when I saw the trailer, I instantly went into my hackles instantly went up because everything felt wrong, except the fact that there were like all the phone screens. Like that's kind of a good idea, maybe. But you don't like Craig T. Nelson and Jabeth Williams? No, I, I thought they were great. No, they're fantastic. Uh, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm even but so are, so are so are Sam Rockwell and Rosemary DeWitt. I mean, they're they're great actors. Yeah, but the whole the reason Polter the first Poltergeist works is because those it's a really cool family and they seem kind of different. Like they seem kind of Spielbergy and they smoke weed and so mess around. Oh, that's right. I forgot about the weed scene. That's right. And she's so stoked when they first show up and she's like, hey, check out the kitchen tears. You gotta believe it. Like she's really thrilled at first. Yeah. And that's like a really cool, weird approach. That's the stuff with the bird. Like it's all, it was all just done. Well, I, I think. think that's also Kelly Wand. That's part of, even though Poltergeist was directed by Toby Hooper, that's part of Steven Spielberg's right. It's sort of the wonder of it all that you see like in Close Encounters, which by the way has has like horror movie elements. Yeah. You know, the scene where the, where Melinda Dillon's house gets attacked, that's like st- straight up horror movie stuff. And it was going to be a horror movie called Dark Skies originally. No, stop. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I swear to God. Close Encounters was going to be a horror movie. I think I knew yes. about the Dark Skies code name, but it was going to be a horror movie? Yeah, that was his original conception. I guess he had come off of Jaws, hadn't he? So that, yeah. yeah. But then he was like, oh, I don't want to be the horror guy. Right. Let's make something about the wonder and the magic of the universe. Yeah. But then he, yeah, yeah. Though it's that's thing. It sucks though because it's like what you said about um the following guy not wanting to do horror. It's like Spielberg is really good at horror, but he doesn't. Like Duel was great. Jaws. Is good. Well, the T Rex attack in, in Jurassic Park yeah. is, a, is, a, is an amazing set piece, and it's it's horror movie stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's like Bradbury, whereas like he's he has a really awesome dark side, but he doesn't feed it enough. Tap into your dark side more often, Steven Spielberg. Come back to us. It's too late. He's a grandpa now. It's gone. What do you think? What do you think he, he just looked at what how much money George Lucas was making and figured I'm not no, going to make that much crap. money in he horror movies. Wanted, he go and he goes, okay, yeah. And Brody's saying the banal shit about Chum, and then the shark comes up. Like he knew that was good. He'd like sit in the audience and like and camp it out to like watch the reaction of that. But I, I think you're right, Dingus. There's a certain point where, like, you know, I think I'll be successful rather than renowned. Yeah. It's always a bad call. Uh, let's talk about this week's movie, though. So, Dingus, don't spoil Furious 7 for anyone, because there might be a few people left who haven't seen it. Uh, for those people who haven't seen it, don't spoil it. But, Dingus, tell folks a little bit about the movie we saw this week. All right. Well, this week we saw Furious 7. Now, Dingus, oh. real quick, is that a numeral, a numeral or a word after All right. Furious well, first of all, it's called Furious 7, as in Furious numeral 7. Mm-hmm. It's alternatively known as Furious 7 spelled out, S-E-V-E-N, not with a 7 where the V should be. So it's alternatively known as Furious 7 spelled out. And it also is alternatively known as Fast Ampersand Furious numeral 7. So it has all three of those titles at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a 2015 American action crime thriller memorial sequel movie. <laughs> about a team of street racers who traveled the world hunting and being hunted. It was directed by James Wan and written by Chris Morgan with characters contributed by Gary Scott Thompson. Mm. It stars Paul Walker, Tyrese Gibson, Ludacris, Natalie Emmanuel, Dwayne Johnson, Vin Diesel, and Michelle Rodriguez. Furious Numeral 7 is rated PG-13 for prolonged frenetic sequences of violence, action, and mayhem, suggestive content, and brief, strong 
violence. I do like that they're uh, they're getting more creative by pointing out that it's frenetic. That's that's a nice thing to include. Frenetic. I, I love that it's it's frenetic. It, it's violence, action, and mayhem, and that those are different things. Violence, action, and mayhem each has there's there's got to be some sort of rubric they're using to come up with what what constitutes mayhem and what constitutes violence. That's the taking terms from the part marketing materials and going, yeah, mayhem, action. Hi, so I, I do love the. I absolutely loved getting to write this up and seeing the word mayhem. I mean, it, you know, it reminded me of those insurance commercials. But at the same time, I just loved the word mayhem. Can I? I'm going to actually uh, uh, suggest that mayhem is like something you know we talked a lot about in Furious Six, the, the scenes of the tank driving over the freeway and crushing yeah. cars, and implying, oh, there's got to be people in there who died. Same with uh, Furious Five with the. The safe vault being dragged around the city. Um, I'm going to suggest. I'm going to suggest that is mayhem, whereas violence is like the uh, the, the fight between the Rock and Jason Statham, like like straight on just uh, direct punching. Uh, there's it, somewhere in some in some phrase book at the MPAA's headquarters that that's how they break it down. Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you made that distinction because I will have something to say about that later on. Okay, well, hold that thought. Uh, let's do some math. Let's see. So, uh, <laughs> Freya 7 opened at number one, no surprise. Uh, however, it made $143 million, which is the ninth Whoa. biggest opening weekend of all time. Whoa. So, congratulations to them there. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, 83% of the reviews are positive. On Metacritic, the average uh, rating from various reviews is 67. Hmm. Uh, an interesting stat. Uh, Box Office Mojo, when they write up how things did over the weekend, uh, they cited, and I didn't, I haven't verified this, but they cited that Universal has exit polls that demonstrate that 37% of the audience who saw it on opening weekend is Hispanic, which is huge. Uh, wow. And I mean, clearly it has a, you know, it's partly because it's in car culture, um, you know, the LA setting, I guess, but. Uh, but that, that's a that's a huge number. Um, There's not many Mexican characters, though. That's not a regional. That's not a regional thing. That's nope, nope. Oh well, no, no, no. In the U.S., because uh, it also did big, huge business overseas. I don't even think it's open in China yet. But it, it, it did amazing business. It did like another 250 million overseas, I think. Um, but uh, it, it that's that's in the U.S. Uh, 37 percent of the audience this weekend was Hispanic. Damn. Yeah. And it's amazing that it that it was that high because I think. Six was just under 100, and five oh, was oh, like around 90. Yeah. 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 It, it was a 47% increase over six. Yeah. It did Damn. Very, yeah. That's really yeah. impressive. Uh, well, uh, speaking of impressive, let's have Kelly Wand tell us everything that happens in the movie with a Furian synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> Furian synopsis sounds like a character from Gladiator. That's. Fury and Savopsis? I don't know. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me to guess what it was called, so I came up with something, Kelly Wan. That was bold. I like that so much. Yeah, wait, it's growing up. It's Russell Crowe. Once I it's said like, it, I like Fury and Savopsis. Well, it works. It was kind of an accident. You know, it works on a couple levels because guess right. what, guess what race Vin Diesel is. Yeah, yeah, I got you know, your the, joke. The pitch Black movies. Uh, <laughs> you know what, though? I made that joke when we saw Riddick. Ergo, I don't know, just like 
Furians by never mind. <laughs> Doesn't he make a Fast Furious joke in Riddick? Uh, gosh, I hope not. Riddick can't. No, I did. Oh yeah, he does. He, oh, he no. says you ride it like you stole it, doesn't he? Oh, he says Fifty Shades of Furious. Please, no. <laughs> Riddick, Fifty Shades of Curious. <laughs> oh, that's good. And the See, Riddick Tom? movies are entirely self-contained. There, there's no meta commentary in any of the Riddick movies. Please. Tom can't stay on Fifty Shades very long, even as a visitor. Yeah, he he taps out. No. Him. Wait. So what was the math again? Never mind. Yeah. People, yeah. No, wait. People want to hear a synopsis now, Kelly Wan. So let, let's, no, no, I was trying to remember what was Furious oh. of a Furious. Furious of Synopsis is what I thought. Furious Synopsis. Yeah, but I, I, what, what is it really called, what we're going to get? Let's I had Furiopsis 7, but okay, yours good. is way better. Okay, well. I don't think I can say yours, though. It's the new Martha May, Mar Marcy. <laughs> You've lost that one as well. Can you yeah. actually let's let's just check in with Kelly Wan and see if he can remember the name of the movie about cults that uh, stars um, which Olsen sister was it Elizabeth which which stars Elizabeth Olsen and John Hawks Kelly Wan what is the name of that movie Go Martha Marcy May Marlene I'm so oh. proud of you Wow nice. really I got it Oh got fuck it, it only Wan. took me three years and you I only had to move out of two countries to and then back and that's how much time and energy was required and now you've got it good. Just like the Furious Seven characters, they always are little globetrotters. Well, tell us a little bit about that globetrotting. Oh, oh I'm sorry. You're right, right. Yeah. yeah. Furiopsis Seven. Some words type London parentheses Europe. Jason Statham tells a dude in a hospital bed, "Remember when we were kids? We picked a fight with the entire city because that's why a bunch of stuff's gonna happen." He stands up and tells the nurse, "Take care, of my brother." She's all, well, we'll do what we can, although you didn't make it easier by blowing up all our medical equipment and shooting all our doctors for no reason. Letting you in here is the dumbest decision I ever made since hiring Heath Ledger as a nurse. Jason Statham walks out of the burning hospital. <laughs> Call back! The words Furiopsis 7 screech past. This makes me hungry, so I head out to the concession stand. I tell the teenager working behind the counter that earlier in the day a bee buzzed around me for a couple seconds, and therefore I own the Earth, according to another movie I viewed on these premises back in February. So my popcorn should be free. He's all, oh, these are raisinettes. Some words type, back in the movie. Vin Diesel's driving Michelle Rodriguez somewhere. Emrod's all, hey, what's on the other side of this hill in front of us? Bins all this. He maintains the same speed. They eventually crest the hill. There's a big flea market in front of them full of race cars and chicks and thongs hosing each other down in slow motion while music plays. Bins all. It's called Desert Street Race of Palooza for a similar tomorrow. She's all. Oh, we used to make fun of these losers? Uh, we co-invented this. I guess by calling people we know who all own expensive cars. He's hard to do. Shit. <laughs> She's all. Is that still her saying that? Yeah. She still has amnesia. She's all, these slow motion chicks and thongs was my idea? He's all, your contribution was going, hey, let's make people go to Death Valley. Anyway, here we are. This is the starting line. The finished one's down there. Good luck. He gets out. An Asian guy pulls up alongside her, revving his engine. She's all, who's this guy? Then shrugs. A chick's ass is all, ready, set. Transform chemical energy into mechanical through the expansion of high-pressure gases. The crowd looks perplexed. One guy's head explodes. Everybody cheers at this. Michelle's all, Ben, seriously, what's happening right now? I thought you said we were going to Vegas to get married. This is to cure your amnesia. I know I'm not technically a doctor, but 
the chick's ass is all, whoever converts hydrogen fastest gets to inseminate my uterus, but the loser has to do it artificially. She explodes. The cars scream to life and roar down the street. Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez invented. It's straight and only 50 feet long. <laughs> the Asian guy's about to win, but he slows down beside Rodriguez's car and goes, Hey, I feel a little weird racing against a chick with amnesia who sponsored all this. What do you say we just call it a tie and give the proceeds to chair? He explodes, although the car's fine. <laughs> Michelle Rodriguez wins the race, but on foot after running out of gas. The Mexican bathtub fetishist from training day comes up to her and goes, Well accelerated, chica. She punches him, then drives off. Everybody laughs at his teeth in a puddle of blood. A guy with two trophies runs after her car, going, Wait, I got both your trophies for winning the race and the fist fight. The Mexican guy gets up with a broken jaw. He's all, Boy, how long amnesias take to go away abruptly, Holmes? Then watches the receding dust cloud and goes, Knew we should have come here in separate cars. Can someone give me a ride? Some words type, The Government, USA. The rocks in his office, stamping the word captured onto a stack of headshots. <laughs> CIA's British lady comes in and goes, those aren't the ones he captured, by the way. He is that stack. She hands him a single photograph of Vin Diesel. He's all, wait, I didn't catch him either for two whole movies. He sighs and stamps captured on Vin's face and sadly puts it on top of the rest. She's all, I've never seen you like this, although we haven't met. I think my name's Jane, or Annie. She extends her hand. Sadly, he stamps captured on it. He's all, I think we have kids. I have kids. One of us has kids. I have a daughter. She's all, tell me why you're vaguely pensive. I don't see that often in this line of work. He's all, the last guy I arrested didn't even try to run away. My life sucks. Well, were you brandishing a gun at him or that captured stamp? Why does that matter? Just get the fuck out of my office, will you? are being a bully. She smiles understandingly. You work too hard, chief. Want to walk me to my car? Nah, it's too dark. She turns to leave, then with a wise look, she's all, Hey, Johnson, if you take a walk in a few minutes, don't bring your gun. It's too nice a night out. Never do. She leaves. He stamps captured all over everything in his office, then goes, Oh, shit, I forgot to tell her something. He goes outside. As the door shuts behind him, he's all, Mildred, wait. She's just shutting her car door. She's all, what? He's all, uh, never do. Yes, you said that in your office right before I walked out just a few seconds ago. I know. I mean, whatever. You're being weird. She shakes her head. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tom's favorite actor. What an idiot. Stupid Tom. It's all on you. <laughs> Typical Tom. As she shuts her door, he goes, wait, but she doesn't, or pretends not to hear him. He's like, oh, fuck her. He turns to go back inside. He rattles the door. It's locked. Eventually, he's walking towards his office. He gets back in somehow. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. Only to find Jason Statham inside, typing on his computer. Dwayne's all, sorry, I must have the wrong office. Hey, wait, your name plaque says Dwayne Johnson. That's a weird name. <laughs> That's like a thousand pages. All right. Jason Statham's all. Your multi-ethnic driver friends damaged me brother's freeway tank and overheated his plane. Now I'm hacking your computer to find out where the post office is so I can mail the families of the surviving drivers some grenades. Oh, yeah? Well, guess what? 
could you have me my gun over there? That wasn't my original zinger, by the way. The British chick walks on screen. She's all, Dwayne, I came back up because I thought you had you typing. Statham. She reaches for her gun, but unfortunately it's also across the room in a holster on top of Dwayne's. She's all, damn. Dwayne, hang on. Let me insert myself into the crossfire. Statham throws a grenade. She catches it. Dwayne, what is this thing? Tastes like licorice. Character, get down! Dwayne and she is... <laughs> they had to rewrite quickly. So, you know. <laughs> He's, he, sa- he says it as good as that. In the movie. Character, get down! <laughs> Dwayne and she escape incineration by falling onto a car. Statham escapes by doing nothing. Paul Walker's all, now for my greatest challenge. <laughs> That's how Paul Walker... Never mind. He breaks in front of a school. His kid's all, Dad, why do you say stuff like that or let's give her all she's got every time you start a car and park them? Ask me again sometime, sweet. Really? Jedi? Also, I'm a boy. That night, Vin Diesel comes over to their house to park in their driveway. Jordana Brewster's all. Then, Paul keeps saying he misses the bullets and exploding houses. Is that normal? Maybe by the bullets, you just met your pre-pregnancy nipples. I think we all missed those. How does nine months sound? You pregnant again? You gotta tell him. You're the best thing that ever happened to him. Oh, it's not his. Where'd you get that? Hey, look, this thing addressed to the family of the guy who was in a car when my brother got hurt. Then's all, get down! Everything but the characters blow up blows up. Everything but the characters blows up. Some words type. Hospital scene. Dwayne's all, ugh, figure you had better things to do than watch me watch some bad 70s TV show. They all look at the TV. He's watching Dynasty. Dwayne's all, I used to catch felons. Now I watch Fallons. Oh. (laughs) Dwayne's kid's all, my dad said he kicked your ass. Ben Diesel's all. Uh, yeah, well, your dad's a fucking drug addict, right? <laughs> That's kind of what he says. <laughs> he leaves and drives to a cemetery where Michelle Rodriguez is at night looking at her own t- headstone. <laughs> you know what? I wrote that normally, but for some reason I felt the need to embroider it horribly. <laughs> adverbs in the saying of it but never mind. he's all how'd you find this tombstone with amnesia ah fuck it he raises a sledgehammer she's all ben what the fuck this thing costs a lot of money so this hammer he snarls at the tombstone goes you thought this would be a cemetery fight he looks around i guess han's funeral is going to start here in 10 hours should we just wait <laughs> during han's funeral in la although he died in tokyo ben sees a car driving past he follows it to a sewer <laughs> Jason Statham gets out of it. Vinzel, I knew it. Jason Statham raises a gun and goes, You thought this would be a straight fight? Before he could squeeze a trigger, 30 dudes rappel down on guy wires. Kurt Russell walks on screen. He's all, Hi, I'm Kurt Russell. Let's talk exposition. Ben, I'd like you to get a British lady hacker from some Chinese guys who luckily taunt in English a moving computer bus on a mountain for me so she can get me a tracking device so we can find Jason Statham together. Vinzel, uh, he was here, like, two seconds. <laughs> just use these guys to coordinate the area. Find him that way. We have 
thirty just with the rap. Some words type El Segundo CIA computer screen place. Parentheses classified. Kurt Russell's all. Here's your team. A bunch of sports cars park, and Paul Walker and the black guys get out in slow motion while music plays. Ben's all. Wait, we were all at a funeral ten minutes ago. Why are you wearing different clothes? Where the fuck's Michelle? Kurt's all. She'll be here in slow motion later. Later in the Yavin planning room, Tyrese is all. Wait, what? <laughs> Why don't we just have the cars there waiting for us when we get to the mountain? Jesus. Michelle Rodriguez shows up and goes, Finn, where have you been? I drove by your house, but it's still blown up. Then I remember today's Han's funeral in L.A., so some guys who say they work for Kurt Russell slid down some wires, and then these machine guns slid down other wires, and then the guy wire guys told me to get in a car with them. So here we are. So what's the next step in curing my amnesia? Some words type, aboard a different plane than the one at the end of six. Tyrese watches dubiously as everybody gets into sports cars and drive out of the plane at 40,000 feet. He's all, wait, what if our targets look up? I thought they had all this fancy-ass tracking system. They all laugh at him. Paul Walker's all, I had a hunch you'd talk sense, pussy. He opens Tyrese's car's parachute early by remote, which drags his car towards the air. Tyrese is all, well, I guess you should probably open my door if I want to get out. What? Did you hear that, Tom? I did. It was receding. That was a very nice special effect. Thank you. I know you don't like real effects, so I have to use talent. On their way down, Vin shouts, Hang on! A bunch of stuff on a mountain happens, including someone yelling, Too slow, white man! (laughs) Jesus. That was the part written last. Later, after Vin's got Fatty Newton in his car, Vin's all, Hang on again! Vin parks next to a cliff as 30 cars have him in. A hundred dudes with machine guns get out. And El Segundo Norad, Kurt Russell, sidekicks all. You and your stupid Vin Diesel plan, sir. He's like a deer caught in the headlights. How are we watching all this unfold, by the way? Kurt's all. They're headlights. Sit Fanny Newton while the guys with guns wait for him to say something cool. He's all. You might want to wear your helmet for this one. Fanny Newton's all. Why would I have a helmet in your car? But she puts one on. Finn rolls down his window and goes, Sayonara, assholes. You may have guns, but I have family. Then he turns around, signals, does a three-point turn, double hawks, then drives his car off the cliff. It smashes against thousands of boulders, explodes three times, and falls a thousand feet until it's a twisted wad of wreckage. Then it explodes. Finn and Sandy get out and brush themselves off. Kurt Russell's all, let's see a deer do that, or even start a car. Fandy Newton's all, well, Mr. Diesel, thank heaven I had your helmet, in my hands at least. Didn't have time to put it on. Paul Walker levitates down to join them while the rest of the gang walk on screen while music plays. Paul Walker's all, we're glad you're alive, I guess, since you're pretty, but Kurt Russell hired us to buy or beat a computer chip out of you, so what's it going to be? He raises a tire iron. Fandy Newton's all, I don't trust the people that kidnapped me. I like you guys. Only serious professionals would have planned such a rescue operation so sophisticated and ingenious. Paul Walker jumping off a hood and running away from a cliff, telling me to wear a helmet before diving headfirst off a cliff. It's brilliant, and those are just the cliff notes. <laughs> While I admire the Michelle oh. Rodriguez's fender came with handholds on it from Mr. Walker here, some would have been useful on the hood of the Korean car you guys threw me onto. Our next stop, the Middle East. <laughs> 
some words type this just the last part then they get out of cars in slow motion while hot chicks walk past in thongs ludicrous is all so much for feeling homesick tyrese is all yeah it's arid here and i ain't talking about the heat you feel me they fist bump ludicrous is all yeah i feel like pumping something but it ain't them oil wells another fist bump tyrese is all I want to hold up a turkey in front of a mission accomplished banner, but it ain't that aircraft carrier. Scrudging this pump. Ludicrous is all. Uh, I like curvy things that howl at me, but I ain't talking about that sandstorm coming towards us. Sandy Newton walks on screen in a bikini in slow motion while music plays. Michelle Rodriguez is all. Okay, so was that the mission? My amnesia's acting up again. Sandy Newton yoinks a passing Arab on screen and goes, Character, do you still have that computer chip I left in your bathroom? Uh, yes, uh, except I sold it to a man who keeps his car parked on the high story of that building. He's having a party tomorrow to celebrate getting to see the bathroom. None of you are invited, but even if you were, you can't go in dressed like this in bikinis at a party? <laughs> Thin's all. He may have guests, but we have everyone's size wearily. Yes, dude. They all put on gowns and walk in slow motion to the party. Thin's all. Okay, Michelle, you get in a kung fu fight. Probably versus women. This is Dubai. They're pretty progressive here. Tyrese, you attract unwanted attention by saying stupid shit into that microphone. Hopefully, I don't think of just taking it away from you and escorting you out. I'll lift up a car while Paul looks under with a flashlight. Ready? Break. <laughs> Everybody sits down and opens lunch boxes. He's all, no, I meant the other kind of breaks. <laughs> Tyrese sets fire to a tablecloth, grabs up a microphone, and goes, so who all here saw Fast and Furious 2? The one where my character's backstory is set up. <laughs> Everyone does double takes. The next day, they all go to Fandy Newton's roommate's garage. He throws down the newspaper. The headlines all, Americans working for Kurt Russell destroy three buildings and crush ten Tibetan monks poolside to death from falling sports car. He's all, Fandy, what the fuck? When I asked the Rajah if I could bring you guys to his next party, he said he didn't know. Paul Walker's all, Actually, it was 13 monks. Ben Diesel's all. Fandy's roommate, could you leave, please? What? This is my garage. You're not family. Fandy Newton's all. Well, he is my cousin. Nope. Out. The guy leaves after a while. <laughs> Ben's all. Now that we're alone. Let's go back to L.A. They go back to L.A. And after meeting in a parking lot to look at buildings, Paul tells an Asian guy, too slow, bro. I did a little fast forward. Chinese guy in the elevator goes, I see what you did there. Some subtitles are all parentheses in Chinese. I lean over to Hal Needham and whisper, I was only going to see that fucking Entourage movie if it was dubbed into German anyway. Ben Winsinger and Adolf, World of... Fuck me. Ben Winsinger and Adolf, War of the World style with a black guy in a helicopter, then tricks Jason Statham by making a street collapse using his foot. Even Supernatural Statham has no answer for falling a few feet for getting to use his gun. An anchor man with an exploding building behind him is all. And in car news, Vin Diesel's back from Afghanistan. And we have an exclusive interview with the building. Will it also be explosive? Doubtful. But it's hard to say. Hasn't happened yet. Some words type beach. The gang sits on jet skis watching Paul Walker splash with his kids. Paul Michelle Rodriguez is all... I may have gotten amnesia, and Vin may have almost died the most, and Paul did give that Chinese guy a broken hip in the elevator shaft pretty effectively. But now that he has two kids, I guess, Vin's all, yeah, we all get it. This is a fucking bummer. He gets up and drives off. 
He doesn't get far before Paul Walker catches up with him. Paul Walker's all, what, you left without saying goodbye? Finn's all, you just left your wife and kids at the... Paul's all, dude, I had you! He veers off down another road. I lean over to Hal Needham and whisper, heartstring-wise, the pregnant elephant and smoking the bandit too is okay for its time. The end. Thank you, Kelly Orn. I could have punted at the end there, but I wanted to go... I, you'll see. We'll see what? What do you mean you'll see? What do you mean you'll see? Well, I have a, I have a statement to make about like what I, well, I don't know. I don't want to. I feel like I just talked for ten hours. Ah, so. well, would you Give like me. to? Would you like to move to go to your statement? Uh, is this something you want to save for later? No, I'll see now. I just really think that ending was a, was awesome, and I really think the thing that's interesting about this movie is like the production is almost like a microcosm of like the movie itself. Like I think these movies. Like, I read articles that were sort of critical of them even finishing production because they thought it was like this glorification of reckless driving. Mm-hmm. But I think these movies are just about like defiance of death to the last no matter. Like, it's basically an impossible situation. And that's what the characters in the movie are always doing. They're just like, all right, we're going to fuck it. We're going to jump out of a plane in cars. We're going we're gonna to do something that no one's ever done. And like, the filmmakers kind of did that too. They're like, this is impo- we can't really do this, finish this movie without. No, we can do it. And so they just like figured it out. Like okay. I thought that was really inspiring. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I have nothing but admiration for them. Wow. Okay. Good. Um, and and then the the little ending eulogy bit really worked for you then. Yeah, I was tearing up. I mean, it's not. It, it's obviously that's the thing. They're basically breaking character, but it's such a really good. I love that they did. They just they kept they made the movie they were going to make anyway up till that scene, and mm-hmm. then I don't know. Sure. Okay. Good. Harder. They took us from all that lovable, idiotic foolishness that we all wanted to see, and then mm-hmm. made me tear up. Can, good. I didn't okay. think that would be possible. That's a huge achievement. Sure. I'm a okay. tough room. So, and even as a movie, like, it's definitely afflicted with the obvious issues, <laughs> the the big issue. But it's like I really liked the action. I liked okay. the dumbness. I think there was just a lot to admire in this movie. I thought. Um, wow, good. Okay. Well, hold that so, thought, and let's uh, let's go around the room. Uh, all right, so Dingus, I know that you uh, had a, a sort of an epic challenge b- before you this week. You watched from the very first movie all the way through Fast and Furious 6. You got all of them under your belt before we recorded. You saw Fast and Furious 7. So you have most recently experienced the entire oeuvre. Uh, what did you think of this movie, and how did it fit in with the other six? Um, I really love this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I, you know, in addition to, uh, actually watching all seven movies this week and, uh, I did, I wanted to watch the first six before going to see number seven. I, I couldn't get all, all of them under my belt for ridiculous reasons, but, uh, beforehand, but I, but I saw all seven this week, um, uh, and then I also listened to some of the things that we said about the movies on our previous two podcasts, because we did podcast for um, Fast Five and Furious Six. Uh, and it was weird for me to listen to the things that I said about the leads in particular, and then watch the way or feel the way that I felt about this movie, because I think um, for me, it was a it was a really difficult movie to watch because 
I, I, I keep thinking of this word, and please forgive me for using it. There was a pall over it, but I don't mean you know. I'm I know it. It it right, echoes yeah. his name, uh, but but there was this specter over the movie the whole time I was watching it um, of the fact that that this guy I really really appreciate and like, even though I didn't care for what he was doing in in the fifth and sixth movies, and I think that's largely because he wasn't given a lot to do. Uh, I think when he's given interesting things to do, he's a really good actor. And we did a, a tribute to him in our in a three by three, uh, talking about Paul Walker and the and our favorite moments because I think we're pretty big fans of his. Um, so watching this movie was really difficult for me, and watching the other six movies was weird for me too. But in, in particular, watching this movie was difficult for me because all the there's so many things in this movie. There's so many moments where they say the word funeral. There's, there's moments where he says, this is how you stay alive. There's so many things in this movie that felt like there was just this shadow over the movie. And yet, I love it. And and I, I, I think that in part is really well handled and respectful. And also, I think, true to what the those people who I think largely are respectful of him and, and friends of his, especially Vin Diesel feel about him. So I, I really have, I have huge feelings for this and I didn't tear up at the end. I was flat out crying my eyes out. Uh, yeah, but I'm a sucker for that. So I don't know your turn. I'm not. And I was crying and I felt like they knew you were going to feel that way, Dingus. And they, they, it was really bold of them to still go ahead. Like, well, I, I don't think they were, over they ran the I don't, I don't think they were, no, I they think were so bringing either. sentimentality out of it. I don't think, I don't think they, and they didn't I water think they were, down. I think they were, they were on, they were, I think it was honest. I think it was, uh, this yeah. is a tribute to him. I mean, he's been here through all of this. And, you know, if, if some, if somebody dies in a company or somebody dies in a construction site, you're not going to stop building the building. I mean, this, a movie is a building in, in a sense. So, yeah. so, I, I don't think it's disrespectful to finish the movie, no, no matter how they did it. I think, I think that's reasonable because this is this is a brother. This is a building for a studio, so I get that. Um, but I think, and I think they did it in a, in a in a way that was respectful and not overly overly sentimental. But just I thought it hit the right tone. Uh, what do you think, Tom? Where where are you? Where do you stand overall on where what this how this movie hits you? Uh, I didn't care for it at all. I, I was bored. I thought it was borderline inept. Uh, it was big. I thought just incredibly dumb in a non-entertaining way. Uh, I would actually personally put this uh, among like the, the boring stuff that I've, I've had to sit through that Michael Bay has done. Um, I thought it was <laughs> bogged down by a lot of just pointless fan service. You know, all this stuff about Michelle Rodriguez's amnesia and her wedding to Dom you know, revisiting Lucas Black. I thought none of that none of that worked for me. And I know that some fans of the movie might care about that stuff, but I think the movie is is kind of overestimating the value it places on its characters. Like I, I don't think any fan of the series really cares about, hey, let's go back and visit Lucas Black, for instance. Um, <laughs> well, uh, it's not as much. Right, why have that scene? Like, it, it's, that's what I'm saying. Uh, There's so many scenes that are all about fan service, and if you want to service the fans, do good action. And I didn't care for any of the action. Um, you like the plane one? Nope. That was that what like? I, uh, I, I, I didn't. I thought, like I said, I thought it was borderline. So a lot of the, the action for me, I thought was borderline inept. Uh, horrible there's... editing. Um, and, and just just aggressively dumb in a way that I just was sort of bored by. Mm -hmm. Like 
I like that though. I like the gross. Sure, sure. Yeah. But um, I remember you didn't like five either. Like didn't like five. Didn't care for six. I this series has, yeah, I has like been five. lost on me for a long time. Um, which is one reason I'm curious to hear Dingus talk about, you know, where he thinks this fits in in terms of quality level amongst the others. Because for me yeah. personally, I loved one. I think two. In two, they still hadn't gotten. They still hadn't abandoned the charm of their characters. Like Tyrese and Paul Walker are great. In two, and two appreciates that about them. Uh, three, the best thing you can see, I think, in all of the Fast and Furious series is the first fifteen minutes of three, uh, and then the little surprise appearance at the end of three is kind of cool. But everything in the middle, and furthermore, almost everything thereafter, I just haven't cared for in the Fast and Furious movies. So I'm going to be the, the wet blanket here, and even that that eulogy at the end, I I mean I, so I teared up when when Paul Walker first showed up just on screen, you know, seeing him again, because um, you know I miss the guy. So yeah. that's where it got me. But then as I as the movie was going on, and as it, it's so, so my problem with the eulogy thing is for so long this movie has really just wasted. The appeal of Paul Walker, uh, I, I feel. Um, in this movie, Wayne, or the, ser- the series. I'm sorry, this whole the series as a whole. Wayne Kramer, who made a great movie called Running Scared with Paul Walker, jokes on the commentary that so many people don't appreciate Paul Walker when they cast him, and they just cast him to be a guy to lean on a car and look pretty. And you know, for the longest time, that's all that the fa- I feel that's all that the Fast and Furious series has done with him. I mean, in two, two really appreciates his chemistry with Tyrese, um, his charm, uh, and certainly one is full of that. But ever since then, I just feel like, you know, these movies hire him to just look pretty and lean on a car. Uh, so that eulogy, you know, that was sweet that they did that. Um, and, you know, it's kind of it's a little weird. Let's put him in a white car and have him go off on a different lane. And I can kind of I love appreciate that. it. I co- love it. I so kind of appreciate I can kind of appreciate it in the context of what these movies are. That's a kind of a cool way to represent, you know, here's here's us saying goodbye to them. Um, but I kind of wish that the movies had had better appreciated what they had with Paul Walker the last three movies. And so at any at any rate, I'm I I, I want to hear more from you guys. But I basically that's kind of all what I have to say about this is that I I didn't care for this movie at all. Um, um, they did try to here's they did like try to they didn't he was in the action a lot. Like, he's in on the cliff thing. Like, he was in this one more than he was in Six, I thought. Well, Six did that weird thing where uh, it it almost felt like he had to go shoot another movie, so they had to cut the script for a while. So they didn't do that here. Um, And, and by the way, I I haven't been following this stuff about the production. I didn't even know he was still in this. So that was a great surprise for me. I mean, actually, I knew a a few days before I saw it. But What do you mean you you didn't know he was still in it? I thought they were going to have to cut him. Like, I knew that there was some debate about what do we do, he's died... You know, the production, when he died, they, they halted production for a while. I knew it started up again. But I didn't know, and I thought they might just have a little bit of footage and then have him killed in the middle of the movie or something. I had no idea they were just going to just carry on and have him in the whole movie. So I was delighted at that. Because, um, by the way, even not using Paul Walker well, I really like the guy. I like watching him on screen. Um, you know, he's got an, a, this charm to him. And as we said before, part of the appeal of Paul Walker is... You know, he's your buddy, and that, that sort of – he's got that kind of charisma. Um, so I, I was glad to get a full Paul Walker movie because I wasn't aware that I was going to get that. That is kind of an amazing dynamic. You're right because I spent the whole movie wondering, is he going to die at any moment? Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, and, just talk about and then it they'll too. just el- eliminate it because of where he died during production. And so I, I was kind of in, that was one of those things that cast a shadow over the movie was for like when he's surfing on this car, when he's jumping in the bus, when the bus is falling over the cliff, is this, is this going to be when he has to be killed off because this is when he died during production? Not that these things are filled in sequence, but I kept wondering when is, when is he going to be eliminated? So Dingus, I'm with you there, but one, but the thing my brain was doing, uh, I, I wanted to be there, Dingus, to actually think, okay, maybe this will add some tension to the movie because I wasn't feeling any tension, by the way. That's part of me just being bored. But uh, I knew if they were going to kill him in the movie, it was going to be something super significant. It was going to be the main bad guy killing right. him. So during that bus stunt, for instance, not for a second did I think he was going to go down with the bus because that would have been just a, a terrible way. You know, they wouldn't they wouldn't kill a main character with something as trivial as, oh, he got locked in the bus by a henchman and, and died. Well, um, I didn't know the lengths they went to CG-wise to recreate him in various parts of the movie. Oh, did they? B- before. Huh, yeah. And his yeah. brothers. They used his um, body though. So oh. I, I didn't know that they did all of that before going to see the movie. So I, I didn't know practically when he would literally stop having to be a part of the movie and okay. they would have to move on. So I... I I did, I felt that tension constantly, and it was it yeah. was kind of nerve wracking, and and you know this wasn't a fun movie for me to watch a lot of the time, and that's okay with me uh, because of that because I you know I I feel a lot of what you said, Tom. This I mean I I really feel that kind of like I feel like he's my buddy. I don't know him. I never obviously never met him. I don't know the guy, but Jesus, he, I mean he's just such a charming and and he's done such great stuff. Uh, and I, I, I just felt like, you know, that way you feel, and in any any of us who's ever done acting, know know that moment where you meet somebody and they talk to you as if they already know you because they've they've seen you act in something, so they yeah. feel like you, they know you, and I and you feel like that, you feel like you have a relationship with him in a weird way. Well, and Paul Walker too, and this is this is something that so few celebrities can say. He doesn't have the stink of celebrity about him. No. I mean, yeah, you never, you're right. He, you know, there's never any sort of tabloid sleeve stuff about him that I know of. Uh, but even just his persona, he he just doesn't smell of us like a celebrity. Um, so and, and yeah, and I enjoy watching that. But uh, so okay, as a as a as a super picky guy about my action movies, I really didn't care for this. I want to hear more from you guys about why you liked it and what you did like. Um, I like the action even. Okay, so yeah, Kelly, you mentioned that. What? Tell me what what worked for you. Like, what did you like just, about the action? What are the scenes you like? Go ahead. But just one last Paul Walker thought. Sure, like, sure, yeah. I agree with that statement that he's basically just posing in front of the car, but and also, but I kind of mm-hmm. I think his charm really comes across in these movies, and I think they have a weird. way. It would be better maybe if he was in them more, but it's sort of well, these movies have kind of become like an an Avengers like ensemble franchise. I've uh, always kind of uh, like I'm 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 so grating about that for a very specific reason, Kelly Wand. They're they're an ensemble fran- ensemble franchise, but a good ensemble franchise knows to give its knows to develop its characters and give give the characters time and room to interact you know the, what makes the avengers good is that it is so character based you know the characters they make difficult choices they have relationships the relationships change the dynamics amongst them change uh, here none of that happens like i right. I, I bristle against against comparing this to something like the avengers or any really good action franchise with with meaningful characters, because I don't, I don't feel this movie appreciates what it's got with, with some of its characters. Like, Tyrese is hilarious, you know? They give they the guy that. one little funny sequence, and that's it. That sort of throwaway plan sequence. Um, 
It's ensemble, though. They all can. It's it's like X Men. Maybe that's it's ensemble yeah. in the sense that they physically gather them to shoot sometimes. Right. Okay. Here's my thing. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, just like about okay, I agree. Like Paul Walker doesn't do enough in the movies. However, if you think about it, it's almost a better, a more impressive achievement that here's a guy who's basically being wasted and his charm's still coming across. Like you can ding the filmmakers for it, but like even his place in the group, like you get the sense they don't really love Brian, even though he's kind of like not their sharpest tool, but like. They all love him, and he's like a beloved member of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen two and four, so maybe I'd have more complex opinions on Paul Walker's character's backstory in this group. But it, since five was the first one where I was sort of like, kind of like I sort of grasped the mythos at all, really. Like his sort of cipherhood, like like I kind of like Cyclops in the X Men movies, even though it's James Marsden, like. He's the douchey guy, but he's like a really good leader. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, I did. I, I do want to hear you guys talk more about like this so, action. But, well, let's hear about the action. So, Dingus, the movie as a whole work will work for you on a lot of levels. Kelly, you specifically mentioned the action. You guys mm-hmm. talk about like what what worked. What did you like about the action? Like, tell me some about that stuff I haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. I think it's I've never. It I liked how incoherent. I liked how it was. They barely even bothered to justify like why they were going to do like jump cars out of mm-hmm. a plane. Like I think that's what these movies are. They just they revel in retardation. Like they it's just they love it. Mm-hmm. These characters I think have gotten this complex where they can't. They know they're not going to be hurt. I think. Um. And. Uh, there's certainly sort of big comic booky, just just crazy over the top set pieces, aren't they? Yeah, they don't. It's hard to. But it's like when Paul Walker goes, "Yo, it was three buildings that we went through, and not two. He's not even saying it in a bragging way. He's saying it in that same dude, I had you. Like, uh, we're we're crazy, mischievous rascals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I like that. I just think it's funny. Um, okay, it's so it's less grounded than the first movies. They, but there, it's is, there is a sense that literally, literally less grounded. Ah, very nice. But part of what's going on there is I, I think there's a sense that it has to top the previous movie, and that's something that any franchise kind of has to deal with. Uh, yeah. All right, so Dingus. Oh, go ahead, Kelly. Just to, you don't even like think it's funny in a cute way that these movies, even as like the guy, the people making them are just like at their wits and <laughs> trying to figure out new shit to keep doing with cars. I think that's just. Adorable. There is, uh, I think it's Tyrese who has the line about, you know, uh, first it was a, oh shoot, he goes through the, through the, the, <laughs> the airplane. The tank, he talks about Yeah, right, right. right. Yeah, first tank. it was a tank, then it was an airplane, now it's a spaceship. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, they're doing a little jump street. God, every time that guy opens his mouth, I just, I'm just like, God, will somebody put a movie around him? Because he is so, he is so great. He is so great in the, in this, and, and unlike, I don't know. Unlike what I would expect of his of of this actor, uh, he's willing to look stupid. Um, there's this there's this great moment at the end. I think six, where uh, where Dwayne Johnson comes back into the scene and he's like, "Look out for your your baby oil," uh, to uh, to Mia. <laughs> he's like, "Look out for that huge forehead." And, um, <laughs> and Teresa's like, "It was that sounds improvised. It was, it was just a joke. I'm like, Come on, it's not that funny." 
I mean, is he that way in the second one? Because I didn't see that one. Is Tyrese funny? No, I think that as the series goes on, Tyrese becomes more and more. He's he's very very funny. Jedi. Roman is is really funny, but he's also got this great self deprecating thing that he does, where he just falls Wait back immediately, like when, like when they call him Joker, and he's like, "I'm no, I'm the why can't why can't there be two double alphas? What's wrong?" Yeah. I mean, I love him so much. I I don't know that he would work as 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 uh, the centerpiece for a movie, but man, he should be in more stuff. He's so charismatic, so funny. Oh man, I love that guy. So Dennis, why would you say that? I totally think you could make a Tyrese vehicle. Yeah, I, I can. I mean, I think he's in a lot yeah, of like traditional black cinema stuff, but uh, I could totally see building a movie around that guy. He's fantastic. I hope so. He's yeah. he lights up the screen, but the, but the thing I like about him most is this ability for him to be self-deprecating and fall back yeah, yeah. and let somebody else have the joke, which is which is extremely generous. And and I, I really appreciate that about him, and not what I ne- necessarily would have expected seeing him first introduced in Too Fast, Too Furious, except for that whole eating thing that he's constantly doing, and then Han carries off the eating thing. But but that whole, like, I'm hungry thing that he does in Too Fast, Too Furious, but as the franchise goes on, he, he very re- he very he's so relaxed and comfortable in taking this role of, like, making this joke and then falling back and going, oh, come on, I was just joking, why are you guys... Beat me up. I love him. I love him so much. That guy. Damn it. Uh, did we? Uh, how did we feel about Vin Diesel? I liked him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm thoroughly touched by him at the end, uh, and I know that he has, uh, he that the and the and the, the sincerity with which. He delivers that end part. I mean, and it's clear because I think he named his daughter after his his newborn daughter after after Paul Walker. Um, uh, so clearly, he when he's talking about that brother stuff, he means it. So, so I'm extremely forgiving of, the, of this movie. It may be in an unfair way as a critic, um, but I don't think he does anything better in this movie than than I criticized that he did in Five and Six. That all that crap with Jason Statham, where they're measuring each other's dicks, fighting with gigantic wrenches, is ridiculous. That's uh, no, great. I, uh, no, I, I I hate that whole fight. I think it's ridiculous. The wretch one. Yeah, I, I don't think it's useful. Everybody else is 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 working toward the mission, and these guys are on top of a of parking garage. You know who's got the bigger dick? That that's it's it's a terror. I think it's I think that's that's probably my least favorite part of the movie. Although I like the way the action resolves. Um, ultimately, I like the way the garage falls apart and that whole jumping the car and hanging the grenades on the helicopter. That's that's great. But that whole fight is it just so prolonged. That whole action sequence is so prolonged and you have to cut to it. This is something that Thomas said and I totally actually agree with him. This need to cut between action sequences instead of sitting on an action sequence. Um, these movies really do suffer from it. Uh, I, I don't know that he really adds anything. Um, I honestly don't. I don't know that he adds anything to this movie. Uh, I mean, I, I, I appreciate him sen- for his sentimental reasons, but I don't know that Vin Diesel really adds anything to the movie. Wait, Vin Diesel doesn't add anything to the movie? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's, yeah. Char- char- uh, Character-wise, I, I don't know... I mean, I know Dom is supposed to, but this this constant harping on family, 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 yeah. it does. You made jokes about it in your opsis, and I think that's kind of right. It, and maybe this is is a, is a product of me seeing all seven movies, but that constant thing about family, 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 family is is lovely, but 
it gets a little tired, I'm afraid. And Vin Diesel, as you know, there's something that Tom said in an earlier podcast uh, about Vin Diesel being just this really nice guy that they're trying to cast as this like to, totally tough guy, but it, but he seems like just a nice guy that you'd like to be friends with and that would that would do nice things for you. And I think the last scenes of this movie play that out. And that earlier stuff where he's just so tough with Jason Statham just don't. Yeah, and it's, of, and it's weird that Dwayne Johnson has to be absent for the whole movie, but I think that's because of her, him doing Hercules. Um, but uh, I, I kind of wish Dwayne Johnson had been going up against that dude. I understand for revenge reasons why Vin Diesel is, but he just doesn't. I just don't believe it. I don't know. And I think that's something you know. In the first movie, he was kind of supposed to be tough, but he was also. You know, to me, Vin Diesel is the dopey older brother character uh, who's lovable, but he's kind of a big dope, big dumb guy. And uh, and and they, you know, there's a sense of that in the first movie where he is literally. Wait, isn't someone his sister? Oh, Jordana Brewster, right? Yeah, Jordana Brewster, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I got no sense of that in this movie, but that's right, they're brother and sister. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think as the movies go on, as he, and he sort of is wanting to be the tougher action hero, leading man type, it, it just gets increasingly implausible. Like, I'm not buying any of it. Uh, I, I think so, too. And this is something that we both said early on. Um, Michelle Rodriguez, early on, I wish they hadn't done that whole let's kill her and bring her back as this person who doesn't have a memory for three years. Uh, I think she run, She kind of runs the family. <laughs> She's the strong presence, and she tells Dom what to do, and Dom has the muscle to do it. And I think it would have been a such such a bolder choice to have yeah. Michelle Rodriguez fight Jason Statham at the end instead of and just getting into a chick <laughs> fight over there in right. the corner. I think having her fight him with wrenches or whatever, uh, I think having her be the, the strong presence in the family with Dom being the muscle, but her being the controlling factor would have been such a cool way to go with this series because uh, she's such a strong, interesting character like Ripley. I love I love her character so much in so many ways. Uh, I wish I kind of wish that we could have had that kind of thing going on. Yeah, that's a great idea. That actually would have paid off the whole amnesia subplot perfectly. Is like she finally has to, and then she she fights him at the end, and that's where she kind of gets it back. That would have been better. But she always just ends up in chick fights, which which yeah. is you know in, in that hotel room, them in dresses and high heels fighting is okay. Uh, but I mean, it's all concussive. I mean, one of the things that happened after seeing this movie is I I saw it with, with somebody who had never seen one of these movies before. And afterwards, I mean, she really liked it, but she said, are all of them this violent? Cause I, I like the cars, but I don't really care for all this violent stuff. And so, well, the, the first one really has an understanding and a, a love of the cars. Um, and even Tokyo drift does that too. And people get hurt. But they they get away from that. They they change the nature of the movies in order to make them into yeah. these paper movies, and they get in, increasingly more violent and concussive as they go on. Um, I mean, this movie is relentless, and it's for two hours and seventeen minutes of that. Um, and plus, they've hired you know the the uh, Jimon Hans, who's uh, henchman, is a, a guy named Tony Jaw from the Ong. Oh, jeez, I. Totally, even forgot Jamin Hatsu was in this. Yeah, and so so Tony Jaw is a uh, is a, a kickboxer type dude, and he's, they do some they actually get parkour. some good sort of parkour scene stuff with him in this movie. I appreciate oh, that. Oh, he's he's the uh, too slow guy, right? Too slow guy. Yeah. Um, and 
uh, and the the woman that Michelle Rodriguez fights is a is a UFC chick named Ronda Rousey. Who uh, I actually know her because she's in the trailer for the Entourage movie, uh, and she's uh, she, where one of the guys has to like go thirty seconds in a ring with her. Um, but she's like a Gina Carano type sort of uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. UFC chick who's starting to do movies, and she was in Expendables three. Um, so, you know, they cast these people for their fighting abilities, and then they have to do some big elaborate scene, fighting scene around them. Um, but again, this was something like, and Dingus, doesn't this normally bother you? Like, for me, almost all the action, especially the car action, uh, was in the editing. Like, I, I was just like, you know, it it was just so quickly cut together and, and chopped up. Um, you know, I, n- I never got a sense for... For, for speed or distance or spacing and all the, the, the fight scenes, too, were just all in the editing. It just drove me crazy. So that, didn't, that didn't bother you, Dingus? Like you were okay with the, the, the style of the action scenes? Well, I'm certainly not, um, not as satisfied with it as, uh, you know, one of the things I've always said about the first movie is that, what's it, is it Rob Cohen who directed the first one? Yeah, right. Um, he he really conveys this, this sense of speed and and the joy and the exhilaration of speed that that the difference between the driving and what happens when you punch nos i mean there's this weird stretching that happens and the weird way that colors are blended in that even now watching watching that first movie w- with as you know it doesn't look as clear or as crisp as like a blu-ray would look or or, or this movie would look on a on a theater screen but it, you get that that exhilaration of speed, um, and you're you're right about that time. You don't you don't get that here, uh, not necessarily. Although the way that that uh, mountain thing was shot, uh, I I got more of it from this movie than I did from six or five. Mm-hmm. Uh, that like crashing down through the trees, as unrealistic as it was. The, the the way they attacked the bus and the bus shooting at them and the other I, I got more of it but again most of most of what I'm getting out of this movie is concussive um, and the fights really are filmed super close up so you don't see a lot of the artistry so yeah I I'm not crazy about that I I'm happy to admit that yeah I, the some of that action doesn't work for me I, but still overall. Uh, as a whole, it does work for me. I mean, I I love that that those cars falling out of the plane just as much as I love a team's tank falling out of a plane. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I love the way that that plays out. You know that uh, that Roman is going to show up in a little while in his car, even though he's like drifting off in the in the background. It's it's like a ridiculous comic moment in that. Um, I, I like the way a lot of that that stuff works out in the way that I, and some of that parkour stuff works for me too. Mm-hmm. Although some of the fighting, you could tell it was done in shadow because Paul Walker couldn't be there for it. And, and again, I was constantly thinking whenever they said the word funeral or whenever Paul Walker would say a line, like this is how you stay alive, that it would take me down a notch. It was, it was really a bittersweet movie to watch. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's like concussive is a good word. The thing is used. Cause it's like, I think something that I don't like about the action in these movies, uh, even though I liked Five and there was a lot of it in that, was, uh, and this is why Dingus' Michelle Rodriguez thing would have been awesome, is like, it's, I, don't, I think it's kind of boring when you see two muscular big dudes kind of fighting each other. Like, it's way more interesting to see, like, Indiana Jones versus that bald guy on the plane, like, around the plane fighting. Like, that seems like a, an interesting matchup. 
but like Vin Diesel's a big guy, slightly smaller than The Rock. Like he's always fighting guys that are kind of the same physique, and so it seems like it's top heavy with that stuff. And I don't think I like the end of that scene where he just drives off a cliff. Like they set that up like this. Okay, what's gonna happen? Kurt Russell's like, oh wait, he's gonna do something great. Hang on, you dicks, and then he just like drives <laughs> off. Like that's his plan. Like that was one of my problems with the the action is that everything is so implausible from from the plans to the escapes. Uh, like I mean, it's all so ridiculous that it, that it doesn't matter to the fights. You know who can fight whom and who is in peril during a fight. You know, hey, let's let's catapult Paul Walker onto the bus and he can handle all the henchmen himself. Like there, there's no. Yeah. Anybody can fight anyone. Anybody can drive off a cliff and live unless they're a bad guy. Ludicrous. Uh, Ludicrous. He could. I don't think he got a fight scene, but they could throw no, him he in did. a fight scene. He did. did well, Vin Diesel can can his car Luke? can fall off of the parking garage, and all he has to do is have her say "I love you" and he'll right. come back to life. It's that right. terrible you moment know. where men just don't suffer internal injuries. Right. Uh, well, who did Ludicrous get to fight? Remember he was with the hacker? Chick? Oh, no, no, you're right. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody's got the fighting skills. It's K-I-L-L-Z. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. Yep, you're right. But the the Paul Walker one was really funny to me because he just goes, okay, Brian, you're up. And then Paul Walker goes to punch out his windshield, which I guess was part of their plan, and then get on the hood and then jump into the car and, like, <laughs> through the machine gun fire and then kung fu the guy who's in the, like... And there's no that's provision, it. too, to get her out of there. It's like, okay, no, it's just get up the hood. Yeah, oh, she's going to fall off the hood. Yeah, you guys It's did. literally the dumbest plan ever seen on film, and I was howling with laughter through almost all of it. It was really, uh, really fun. Did you guys recognize the hacker? Oh, yeah, from Game of Thrones, yeah. All right, all right cool. Yeah. My favorite going oh, to the Oh, that's who that is. Yeah. I didn't... Miss Sandy, is that her name? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Emmanuel, uh, what's, I looked her up on, uh, yeah, her she's... last name, but, uh, yeah, I definitely right. I liked her on that show, too. I did, I had to look it up, because, like, I knew I knew, had seen her somewhere, but it's hard when you see people from Game of Thrones in contemporary movies, because so... you're used to seeing them in, you know, armor or togas or whatever, and, uh, yeah. Or topless. Right. She's topless. Her, her name's Natalie Emmanuel. I thought, I, yeah. I thought she was fine in this, I mean. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, you know, and that's the thing is she got that cute little scene about, well, I know you're the good guys because, and you're loyal because, you know, you're the alpha, <laughs> and actually analyzes all of them. Uh, Put it by the hack of Comet. Right. Uh, Wait, right, Tom, exactly. I like, I liked when Vin Diesel went, the street always wins, and then stays uh, the street. So I thought I, it was a dumb payoff to the Statham fight, like, what? That's... And then also, okay, Vin Diesel drives yeah, off. By a the way, it's not, it's not even a street. The, uh, the deck of a parking yeah, garage is not a street. Yeah. <laughs> right, I agree with you. That's true. So, so okay. many of the so much of this, this movie Does is so it, aggressively, and I, th I think it's sloppily dumb. By the way, like that line could yeah, make sense if he was on a street and he felt, but that's not the street. Um, and they even they have to. There's so many things. Like the movie <laughs> treats the audience as if it's dumb. They have to say things like, you know, she doesn't look like a hacker, or. Um, you know, the white picket fences are an anchor on Brian. You know, like we didn't understand that in that first awesome scene when he's in the minivan. Weather by hot. Oh, I'm glad yeah. you brought that up, Tom. Or uh, oh. there's there's no way he can survive. They even say that they literally have to tell the audience when Vin Diesel is surrounded by guys with the machine guns with a clip at his back, they have to have a dude tell the audience. There's no way he can survive. I've seen this a million times. The old corner of the guy on the cliff with 30 cars. No one's ever survived it. God. I've seen well, it a thousand the, times. What's the point of the Kurt Russell character other than that constant fear stuff? Right. I mean, why is he here? 
I, I tell you why it's here because it makes this more of a sort of international spy movie kind of thing. Like they have to take the heists bigger and they're out the, the stakes the stakes have to be bigger than last time. I mean, yeah, we needed we need a shadowy government figure to make this, you know, the, to chase a MacGuffin. Um, oh, okay. Oh, he winks because he's gonna he's gonna die, but then he's wearing bulletproof oh. vest. But then he he doesn't tell anyone he's wearing the bulletproof vest till way later. And then Which I think he like was. A, to... I thought he suddenly had become Aquaman. When we, when that was an odd up. armor vest, wasn't it, Dingus? Yeah, yeah, that was an odd choice. <laughs> it's like a fish scale pattern when, you know, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Sure. It's like they're afraid to kill anybody <laughs> off. They didn't even kill off Statham. Oh, I gotta save this. This is a... So we have to kill to him. Right, well, I mean, we know that uh, Jimon Hansu blows up, I guess. Uh, there's no way he could have survived that. But yeah, yeah that's Statham. Didn't care about it. Here's another... Yeah. Here's another dumb thing that I was like, why? What? What kind of idiots do you guys take me for? When the Rock is in the hospital for broken bones, they have EKG contacts like on his pecs. Like that is not how <laughs> you open up in a hospital bed. Not um, only that. Not only that. They have a blood pressure cuff on him. Like he's constantly um, got to lay in bed with those EKG readings on his on his chest and his blood pressure cuff on. What? Tom, are you a doctor? No, you're right. I've played one on TV. I thought you were a reporter. I played a reporter on TV. Tyrese is the doctor. That's true. I mean, what for just, me was though him just deciding, all right, Daddy's got to go to work. I'm going to leave you in a hospital now. <laughs> See ya. I'm going to take off this cap by flexing. <laughs> I'm leaving yeah, my daughter leaves, in yeah, the every, hospital. Good luck. The kids get left at the beach, the hospital, the funeral. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. It's so funny though. It's like he drive. He uh, say there's got to be in that car. Kurt Russell's like, yeah, I knew you were going to leave the funeral and uh, bring him here, brought all my guys in, so we're going to track him. That's the real issue. We can't find him. Yeah. All right. Okay. It's well, funny. The sloppily dumb to me is is funny. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, all right. I did like, though, about Brian, about Paul. Really escape. Um, At least give me a life raft. In watching this, because I did listen to a couple of things that we said in the last two podcasts, was something that Tom, I think, rightly has said is that Paul Walker is so good when he's given interesting things to do and even when he's playing an everyman. And I think what it's almost as if the guy who wrote this listened to Tom say that because it's like he's reaching for that with the minivan. The, right. They're they're trying to, to they're trying to allow Every him to do that. They're trying to transition him as if they knew that that's where things were going to have to go. And, and I mean that's one of the things I love about the end is is one of the last those last lines is everything's going to be different now. Or the, the, things are going to be different now. Uh, and I can't remember who says that, but I think I think it might be Roman um, or it might be it might be ludicrous um, who says uh, things are going to be different now. And the, this is the, just their acknowledgement that th- this is the reality of where the franchise is going to have to go or, or, or what we're going to do with this story. Right. And, but that earlier, that earlier feel of, of him in the minivan, all, all I could think of was what Tom had said so many times. And I think rightly when we did, when we first did our tribute to Paul Walker in our three by three, and even in the other podcast was how great he is when he's not having to pretend to be this tough dude who leans against cars. Yeah, and it's nice that they can leave him, you know, rather than because I really I was thinking, okay, they'll have Statham kill him at some point, and it'll make everybody really mad. But right. it's, it's kind of sweet that instead of killing him, they're just going to leave right. him with his family and, and sort of move on. And in, in the next movie, it'll start with something like, well, you know, Brian can't be he's here because he's, he's with his two kids now. Or yeah, exactly. That's kind of sweet right. that they can leave the character. There. That was a bold. I also like too that like Paul Walker. 
I remember when in, in five when he jumps off that car with Vin Diesel, like and falls a thousand feet. He's kind of wearing the same outfit he does in this, like Bruce Campbell's blue shirt. Like he just has sneakers and like jeans and a t-shirt, and he's gonna like fight parkour guys and that. Like he doesn't wear different. Like everyone else is at least wearing goggles or something, but he's just it's just Brian. All right, Brian, go take out all those guys with machine guns. You wearing your good sneakers? Do we like Jason Statham as a villain? Uh, he's kind of always the same. I think he's a limited... He's like the Hulk, kind of, sort of a limited presence. Um, I liked I liked the concept of his character, like, kind of a... Kind of like Javier Bardem in Skyfall, where he can just do impossible things. Like, I think that... Or like Heath Ledger in Dark Knight. Like, it's kind of that. It, it was certainly an interesting way to establish that type of character in the beginning, with him walking out of the, the hospital... In ruin, um, it doesn't. That, that scene doesn't make any sense. He's I know he's tasked yeah. these yeah. people with taking care of his brother, and yeah, and, and yet he's now blowing up the hospital. Like, did he? Did did, did they not let him in to see his brother? Or what? 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 Did he, why was <laughs> already? I'm laughing. <laughs> it seems counterintuitive. If you want right. them to take care of him, don't blow up the balcony of the hospital. Right. Maybe that might be right. a start. What's he? What are we supposed to be thinking? Like, oh shit! Don't mess with him. His brother better be okay. Is that? What we're supposed to be thinking? Did, did you like him as a villain, Tom? No, no, good lord, no, no. I, I, I almost never like. I think Jason Statham is uh, at this point pretty much irrelevant. Like, I, his, his the best thing he's done is as a is a coke up dude locked in a bathroom with Chris Evans in a movie called London that, that Kelly Wan t- turned me on to. Um, but no, I'm I'm totally over Statham at this point. Uh, he was just in a movie called uh, Wild Card, where. Uh, you know, you have to sit through a whole Jason Statham movie to get to this point. But at the very end, there's a fight scene that I showed you, Dingus, where he takes on a bunch of bad guys using only a, a spoon and a butter knife from a diner. And oh, they've all right, got yeah. guns. Um, and it had some imaginative choreography. But at this point, anytime I watch a Statham movie, it's just to see if there's going to be some imaginative choreography. And it's never for, for him. So um, J- Jason Statham, uh, I've said this before, he has two expressions. One expression is... I'm about to kick your ass. The other expression is, I just kicked your ass. <laughs> that's that's, an, that's even the same one. Uh, no, no. In one of them, his, his jaw... He's like Christian Grey. There's <laughs> yeah. one shade. Well, what's the difference between the two expressions, Tom? It's just how tight his jaw is. That's, just, <laughs> that's the only difference. 50 staves of Grey. One, two, three, four, la, 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 la. Four, Kelly Wan, any reference to Fifty Shades of Grey is a sex joke. Oh, that's good. Except the movie itself. All right, so right, yeah. Um, yeah, I I would basically want to see Ben Foster in any role he plays because of the mechanic. I just find Jason so boring. He's not very uh, really, some as a villain. I mean, Diggs, you haven't seen London, but I really do recommend London. There's some good stuff. If you, I mean, I know you appreciate Chris Evans, uh, but definitely check out London. And all Statham fans definitely need to check out London as well. Yeah. The thing that sucked and about Statham... Kelly, you should finish London at some point. That's a movie that I saw, and only later, because you recommended it, and only later did you confess you'd actually never seen the whole thing. That was I just such watched a great the Beale part. Oh, that was such a great moment. That reveal that 
he had, he had suggested a movie you watch, and then you found out he hadn't finished it. <laughs> oh, one of my favorite moments. But then when Tom told me what happens at the end, I was kind of glad. Like, he, the ending, I guess, is... It's not an excuse. All right, well, Kelly Wand, what is this week's 3x3? Three three? I'm very excited about it. Um, I'd like to bet five dollars mm-hmm. to both of you. Wait, I accept your dare. Oh wait, hold on. Once again, I've, I've almost skipped uh, our over. Oh fuck, I forgot to do one. Well, Kelly one. Yeah, okay. that's, that's two weeks in a row that you've forgotten. So we'll come I to you know. last, Kelly one. So think of them real quick. Shit. Uh, uh, Dingus, do you want to go first, or do you want me to for our over unders? No, you go ahead and go first. You have the you have this thing, and and you, I think you should. Uh, Again, make it clear to us your your bracketing concept. No, no, well, you guys, right. Uh, you guys can do it however you like, but for me, the challenge is, you know, what is the criteria for which two movies do I pick, and how closely can I bracket the movie I just saw? Like, if you see a crappy movie, for the over, rather than just pick some movie that's easily better, pick some movie that kind of nestles up closely to its level of crappiness, but is still a little better. Um, so that's what I did with this, is, you know, car action movies, basically. That's a whole genre. Um, and as someone who didn't care at all for Furious 7, what's a movie that's better and what's a movie that's not as good? So I tried to get, rather than just picking the best car action movie, I picked one that's not necessarily great, but that's better than uh, Furious 7. Uh, And another challenge that I did here is I didn't want to just pick another Fast and Furious movie, at least for me personally. So that said, my over is a movie called Need for Speed uh, with Aaron Paul. (laughs) who I think is terrible in almost everything. Uh, anytime you cast Aaron Paul, uh, I think you could always do better. I, I, actually, that's magnets. not true. Uh, speaking of magnets, yeah. Actually, I loved Aaron Paul in the first season of Breaking Bad, but as Breaking Bad went on, I feel like it, he wasn't quite up to what they were trying to do with his character. All of his movie appearances, I think he's kind of awful. No way, uh, Moses, he ruled. That's, boy, that's, I'll have to check that one out. I did not he's see Aaron. Exodus. Yeah. Aaron as Aaron. Um, but in Need for Speed, he's the lead character, but like... As befits any decent action movie where the, the lead might be a little weak, uh, they give him a good supporting cast. Um, Need for Speed also, I was a little worried that it was just going to have a bunch of like CG-ish kind of car stunts. Uh, there's some decent car action in Need for Speed. Um, and so as far as like like crappy car action movies, Need for Speed is, 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 is pretty decent, surprisingly decent. So that is my over. Um, my under... Oh, my God. Uh, my under, and I can't believe I sat through this whole thing. I kept thinking, well, there's going to be a cool stunt or, you know, maybe an action sequence or, you know, the two leads will, will click and there will be a scene between them. Uh, it's one of those uh, – so South Africa has become kind of the notorious site for, like, a place to go to, to film cheaply. Um, and it's a – this might actually be a South African production. It's a movie with Thomas Jane – and John Cusack, uh, where where uh, Thomas Jane is a retired like race car driver, and he's trying to have to, like settle down and have a regular life, but he gets kidnapped by John Cusack, uh, who is in the middle of a kind of an interesting career stage where they're every now and then trying to sell him as a villain. Um, so he kidnaps Thomas Jane and forces him to drive around and do all these crazy stunts, uh, and the cops are chasing him, and then the mafia is chasing them. And then some mysterious shadowy government figures are chasing them. Uh, and it's just god-awful. No good car action. Uh, but the biggest wreck in the movie is the utter lack of chemistry between Thomas Jane and John Cusack. 
They, they just don't connect. The dialogue is terrible. Neither one of them seems to know what they're doing there. Um, so my under is drive hard. My over is uh, need for speed. I, I thought for sure. Uh, I recently I had this weird uh, weird thing that happened where I went on a, a field, I chaperoned a field trip for my uh, kids' class that, and they went to the uh, President Reagan Presidential Library. And at the end of the tour, oddly enough, there's this there are these two rooms full of classic cars but they're not just classic cars there's like the batmobile and a bunch of movie things and movie posters all over the place and i was like why is this here and it's because the peterson auto museum in la is being renovated so they they shop out their cars to various museums but one of the one of the posters that was up on the wall was was two-lane blacktop um which i i'm almost sure was you either talked about or wrote up or was on the 2020 thread um otherwise i had no idea about it because it has like james taylor in it i thought i thought for sure when we were talking about over under for this that you were going to bring up two lane blacktop well no i I wouldn't because two lane blacktop is a classic and it's awesome and it holds up like it's oh it does okay yeah you go back and you watch some of these like 70s car action movies like that so kelly wan mentioned hal needham but i don't think any of that hal needham burt reynolds stuff holds up i think that stuff is awful it didn't hold up then (laughs) fair enough yeah but two-lane blacktop is fantastic. Uh, oh, good. All right. Well, I've never seen it, but I saw the poster, the the actual like classic poster up in this museum, and I went, oh, man, I should take a picture of this and, and tell Tom about it. And I forgot to do that uh, until the, until I started thinking about what's Tom going to do for his over-under. Well, to be fair, also, two-lane blacktop is not a dumb car action movie. I mean, it's definitely oh. – there, there's a whole series of movies like like, like that, Vanishing Point. Uh, help me out here, Kelly Wan. Like what are – there were these like 70s? existential – like these 70s existential car Dual. movies. Dual. Dual Would you put Duel in that category? You know what? I could see that. Kind of like action. Like Death Race 2000. Uh, is that more campy, though? But yeah, I mean... They're, Gumball they're, Rally. Uh, okay, Kelly Wan, now you've jumped the rails. Uh, <laughs> but but Vanishing, order. Vanishing Point and Two Lane Blacktop, which I recently watched, uh, are both uh, from the 70s and... and there, there's not really action in them so much. I mean, there's car chases and it's all about cars, uh, but they're they're not really played for thrills. Uh, in a way, they're sort of more drawn out and somber. They have very bleak endings, by the way. Uh, and Two Lane Blacktop is awesome because the two leads, neither of them is an actor, and James Taylor is kind of fascinatingly terrible in it. Uh, <laughs> I can't imagine watching James Taylor. In a oh, movie. You, no, Dingus, you cannot. You absolutely cannot. But the thing is, it's, you can't take your eyes off him. I mean, he's supposed to be kind of like weird and stilted, and what is the deal with this guy? But what's the real revelation? And I'm going to screw it up. Who are the? Is Dennis Wilson the guy from the Beach Boys who's in it? Is Dennis Wilson even a Beach Boy? Yeah, but Brian. Oh, Dennis Wilson is in it. Yeah, so Dennis Wilson, who was just a guy in the Beach Boys, he wasn't an actor. It's him and James Taylor in Tulane Blacktop. And Dennis Wilson, what? he's amazing. This guy, he's really good. So it's sort oh, of yeah, like – I remember you saying that. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And he picks up the slack where James Taylor was just kind of leaving it on the floor. Like Dennis Wilson picks it up and runs with it, yeah. And then they've got you know their, their sort of nemesis who they run into periodically uh, is Warren Oates, who is an actor and who's really uh, good at what he's doing. I like him. Have you seen Tulane Blacktop, Kelly Wand? No, but I like him in Alfred. Bring me the head of Alfredo. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kelly, one you would love Tulane Blacktop, uh, and there's a Criterion collection of it. I mean, it's kind of, it, it wasn't, it didn't, it didn't do well when it was released, but it's one of those movies that I think was had a revival at some point uh, and is now a classic. 
So yeah, not not in the over under dingus because I think it's in a whole other league than than the Fast and Furious movies. Okay, that's yeah. fair. Uh, fair enough then. Yeah. Right. All right. So right. what would you pick as your over under for Furious Seven? All right, for my over, I would. Uh, um, <laughs> this is going to be weird, but I'm going to pick the movie faster, um, mainly because I think Dwayne Johnson's performance is so different than the the crap that he has to do in the Fast and Furious franchise, mm-hmm. and yet, uh, and yet, it has, uh, it it understands uh, why uh, cars can be. I don't know how to say this word, fetishized. Is that the right way to say it? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's it's just got such a. I just remembered. I remember watching this. I haven't seen it since we did it for the podcast. But I just remember seeing uh, seeing Dwayne Johnson in this role, and it was and it's different than the than the just the like just the testosterone stuff that he has to do in the last three movies. Um, and mainly, it's just for the the way that hit the car he drives how he loves it and the way he plays that part i really loved him in faster well also it's different too dingus and one of dwayne johnson's specialties is kind of winking at the audience and there's there's none of that in, in faster like uh, it's just a straight up character that he's doing it's not so right. that's why you like him because he's always winking well he's winking at me personally just like right. sarah palin in the debate yeah it, it, it really comes through i really feel that character. there are many parallels there yes they also have so many weird totally weird sometimes partly misogynistic things that he has to say in the fast and furious movies he's constantly saying to the that's not misogynistic it's endearing he's like no no it is endearing because of the way he because he because of his personality but wait what he's what's the misogynistic yeah like woman get uh, do something or something like he'll say yeah anytime anytime any of them no but it can be seen as that it doesn't come across that way in the way he does it um, but there are a couple other things that they kind of feel that way about these movies in general. I mean, like the way they talk about the hacker woman, the way that any of the, the, any of that car culture and the women, I mean, the first thing that, that Jordan and Brewster says is he doesn't miss the women. He doesn't miss the cars. He misses the bullets about Paul Walker. The first thing she talks about is he doesn't miss the women. And you're constantly saying women spread. It's, it's like watching MTV Spring Break. So there's this weird cultural thing that's going on. But Dwayne Johnson rises above it by the way he talks and, and by his personality. And I don't think you see any of that in Faster. Right. But, I mean, he, he can carry off any of those lines from, you know, I was joking around with Tom earlier in the week about that. That whole sequence in five, where he, where the guy, his one of his henchmen, one not henchmen, one of his soldiers comes up with him and says, "Good news or bad news?" He's like, "You know, I like my dessert first, and then like, hey, give me the damn veggies." I mean, that stuff he can carry, he can he can carry those lines, but it's with an understanding that he can laugh at himself. But in Faster, I mean, he's playing a legitimate character, and I really liked Faster for that reason. All right, so what would be your under? Uh, and given that you did like this a lot more than me, and you, you you seem to like it quite a bit, what would what would you consider is not quite up to the level of Furious Seven? All right, this is another movie I really do like, and this is why I'm kind of I, I kind of like your idea of the bracketing idea, mm-hmm. uh, because otherwise I would just choose something I didn't like. But right. I I really did like Drive Angry a lot, um, mm. but I didn't like Drive Angry as much as I like this movie. I, I mean, I, I partly partly because I just don't care for Nicolas Cage that much, um, although it does have the uh, advantage of having William Fickner in it. 
who I think is awesome in the movie. Uh, but I think the, I think drive angry ultimately falls apart and gets a little weird in other weird ways. But I think there, there might be sort of a sentimental attachment, but I, but I think it's very, very close. Um, I think the t- I think the two movies are close, uh, so I would put Drive Angry just slightly below this movie. Very nice. So yeah, that's a perfect little bracket series thing. So from uh, Drive Angry to Furious Seven to Faster. Yeah. So Kelly Wand in the Drive answer- Angry. Yeah, go ahead. Well, just uh, not enough Katie Mixon, but oh, you can say that about so many things. Even, about, even about things that have movie. even yeah. movies that have Katie Mixon. Yeah. A good a good dollop of Amber Heard. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Yep. The requisite amount. So, Kelly Wand, in the in the time that since we said we're doing an over under, have you thought of an over under for Furious Seven? Yeah, my over is um, used cars. Um, Another car first, wrestle movie, right? With cars in it, mm-hmm. and it's got I think it's got better car action. It's Robert Zemeckis too. Yep. Yeah. Um, and my also under- also a, a, a famous helping of cheesecake. I certainly remember the scene where the. The hood of the car gets the girl gets her dress caught in the hood of the car, and Kurt Russell opens it on live TV, and it rips her dress off. Oh, that's right! Didn't you use that for your nudity? One of your nudity things? I might have because it, it certainly stuck with me as a kid when I saw uh, that movie. Yeah. Excellent! That's yeah. excellent. Did he use it on one of his things for the podcast too? No, just to, just for one of his personal one of his things. nudity things. Yeah. Um, it's weird too because the main chick, and it's not that um, she's someone that Paul Walker wouldn't miss either. Although he's married to Jordana Brewster. Anyway, the under is uh, Cannonball Run 2. Because Not as good as Furious 7, you're saying. Wow. Okay. Yeah, wow. Less wow. Good. Yeah. Except for the car action, which is really awesome. So, but, bold, bold stand. Explain yourself, Kelly Wand. Well, in Cannonball Run 2, Frank Sinatra didn't really want to actually be... He didn't want to move or get up or do shit for the movie. So, they just filmed his scene separately and then had the Burt Reynolds, Dom DeLuise characters... Um, Filmed in a different room. So are, you, are you serious? Is that a true thing about Cannonball yeah. Run 2? Is that Sinatra couldn't be arsed to actually show up on the set? Correct. Wow. So, and he's he's like, and he's like a really self-serious character who's like supposed to be considered awesome. Like, oh, thank God, Frank Sinatra's in this movie. Fuck. Like, he's treated with such irritating reverence. It's like, oh, his character. Look out! He's in Cannonball Run 2. What's going to happen? And then it's like compare that to the Paul Walker. Like CG stuff, which I think is like, it's the stuff that me and Ding, like, I think that's what killed the movie for you. Like, they had to stitch shit together and it wasn't like, um, sufficient. You think this will kill the movie for me? Yeah. I oh, think so. no. I mean, I, I've, I, well, I really I, think it's partly I've just broken up with Fast and Furious for quite a while now. Yeah, that's uh, true. Actually, because it's the same writer as Five. Like, you do just don't like, you don't like where they've gone. And, um, but to me, it's kind of the, to me, I like it the same way you like Charlie's Angels full throttle. Don't even go there because there's a lot of craft in Charlie's Angels full throttle. <laughs> that writer has, has written five of these movies, by the way. Brian Morgan, is that his name? Chris Morgan. Chris Morgan, yeah. yeah. He's written five of them. He's written a lot of funny rock lines. Um, I don't. I think this is a minor Chris Morgan. Fast <laughs> Seven. I, I, I almost so I only got to see the movie shortly before we recorded. Um, but what it made me want to do to see if this might I might be able to fit into the over under. Uh, so do you guys know where they rip off the the scene from uh, the the car going from one skyscraper to another? Kelly Wand, you should know this. Sharky's machine. No. Are you serious? No. Kelly Wan, I'm really disappointed in you because I immediately thought of this. Um, 
This is a movie written by John Carpenter, but he didn't shoot it, called Black Moon Rising. Oh, yeah, Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, and Linda Hamilton. And it's like a he jumps a building? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. so all, Black Moon Rising is about a car called the Black Moon, which is some stealth yeah. car with alternative <laughs> fuel. But, but what happens is the Black Moon gets, moon gets a MacGuffin hidden in it. It's not even the car they need. And so Tommy Lee Jones has to steal the car to get the MacGuffin out of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but the car is kept in a skyscraper, in the top of a skyscraper. So he goes up, and he's got to get the MacGuffin out of the car, but he gets busted, and there's chases and shootouts. So he's like, how am I going to get this car out of this skyscraper? What am I going to do? He gets in the car with Linda Hamilton, and he hits the turbo boost, and they actually did a stunt where they launched the car, because this is 85 or whatever. They launched the car from one skyscraper into the glass of another one. Um and that's how he gets it out, is he takes it to the other skyscraper. Uh, uh, Morpheus does it by jumping. Yeah, but he well, didn't have to get a car over there. Oh, yeah. What's weird about any of those scenes, including the neighborhood scene where the house blows up, is that there's no neighbors or any spectators ever. And I like, think only, like, one cop shows up, too. Like, isn't it? Well, maybe... Yeah, there's, there's one guy, but, but when they jump into the third skyscraper with the terracotta figures or whatever, uh, everybody just clears out and leaves. And when, yeah, when the house blows looking up, through the nobody window. in the neighborhood comes out to look. I know. It, it's so it's like, oh, everybody's at work. All right. It's one of those movies too, where if there's a crowd, it, like everyone will just stare at Tyrese because they don't have lines. So it's like, or when the army guy has to like wait for Tyrese to finish prattling when they're in the planning room. Like you, it's like, all right, stars riffing out of the way, can't react. Wait, wait, what's the movie where Alan Alda has the Steve McQueen car in his penthouse? Oh, the heist. Oh, uh, Tower Heist. Tower Heist. Oh, Tower Heist. Oh, good lord. Yeah. Right. They they drop that out the window or something? Remember when they leave to see the Snoopy? I think they just put it in the pool or something. (laughs) Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, they hide it in a pool. Yeah, something like that. Wow. All right, well, Kelly Wong, let's do a three by three. What do you have for us this week? Do what? Tower Heist is my other under for Furious 7. Uh, okay, good. So you have a backup. Good to know. It did have a car in it. Um, three best uses of magnetism. Oh, and my bet is that the listeners have at least two of my three, because they're kind of all sort of obvious. Well, there's so many to choose from. Right. I've had enough of you. Well, no, you haven't, because I've got uh, my number three is uh, Magneto lifting a submarine out of the water in X-Men First Class 2. Or X-Men First Class. First Class 2. We haven't, yeah, sorry. My Magneto wins. You don't, know, you don't even like that movie. No, I don't. Yeah. Fuck you, Wand, and your magnetism bullshit. I am. My science involves only circumferences. If it's something I can't see and can't touch, with a horseshoe only, not interested. That's how you talk. Is it interesting? Yeah. Huh. I figured you out. Dingus, what is your number two favorite use of magnetism in a movie? Or number one favorite? It's number three. Sorry, let's try again. Dingus, what's your third favorite use of magnetism in a movie? My third favorite use of magnetism, I'm going to give you guys a quote from it. How does that grab you? Oh, that is from wait. the movie uh, The Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah, that's my number two. That's such a good one. Um, and I, I cannot believe... Uh, I I just kept thinking all week, and, and uh, to be honest with you, Kelly, I was going to totally grief you uh, because of what you did to last week's topic. I apologize for that. Um, I was what I was going to do with this week's topic is just uh, my three favorite refrigerator magnets in movies, um, but I couldn't 
I couldn't hard... find I couldn't find enough decent refrigerator magnets in movies. I mean, I looked at uh, Terminator Two, like after she kills the dude, after she kills uh, the stepfather, and there's a refrigerator in the background. I kept looking at refrigerators, and there, I just couldn't focus on enough refrigerator magnets to grief you. Um, I so I started thinking about. Go ahead. What's your question? How many of Tom's list do you think are Magneto? I think, oh, I think just the first me. one because he doesn't. He, he hates Magneto's helmet. Well, you'll find out otherwise. Go ahead. <laughs> so uh, I started thinking about like huge magnets that pick things up, uh, and I didn't think. I, I think I know which one is going to be Tom's first uh, or number one, but if it's not, I'll be surprised. Uh, and so when I thought of that, I, I thought about Jaws's teeth. And it, and I realized, oh wait, there's got to be a magnet thing with Jaws' teeth, and I and so I, I I couldn't like find the movie, but you can find that scene where they fight, and the fight is so hilarious. The fight between him and Roger Moore—it's so funny. They're both so old and slow; they can't punch anything. And there's this one moment where Roger Moore like jumps over like the the uh, the 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 stanchion he's trying to get down to where the magnet control thing is and then jaws just pulls him back up and then misses him and then roger moore from behind kicks him in the balls and then jumps wow. down and jaws goes down and this gigantic magnet who knows why it's there i don't remember lowers down and that's the thing i remembered from my childhood because i really liked the spider yeah. of me when i saw Fuck it with yeah. dad uh and and roger moore does this thing where he goes hey look up there and he looks up at it, and his teeth stick to the magnet, and then he gets lowered, of course, into the shark pit. So, yeah, uh, Spy Who Loved Me. It's gotta be and then he eats the shark. The shark doesn't even get him, although yeah. that was a rewrite. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, why magnet... I freaking love that magnet moment. Cause I love that I think I was thinking of, like, scrap metal, big man- magnets picking up. Since I'm not going to brief Kelly with red refrigerator magnets, I'll go with that. Could you find any refrigerator magnets, Tingus? Um, I saw a couple of, like crappy ones in the background and uh, I, I just kept thinking of scenes that have refrigerators in them right. and, and I, I meant to watch Killer Joe because that weird scene at the end with the chicken leg takes place in front of a refrigerator and I thought well, maybe there's some cool magnets back there and I kept thinking <laughs> no really I literally was thinking of what are movies that would have like a refrigerator prominently featured in the fuck them you want well because you would imagine that the set decorator would say you know this this character would have refrigerator magnets let's put something up there yeah yeah exactly exactly right or or like a scientist yeah. like like affixing something to the refrigerator like some some, some sort of card that like they would put right there on the refrigerator that, that that it would focus on so I looked at war games as well because there's that there's that scene in the kitchen where they're eating and I thought maybe there's some cool magnet in the background of that uh, but I just no, that was corn I, I I kept looking at scenes that I thought would work, and none of it paid off. I mean, all of it is just so like fuzzy in the background, obviously because you don't want to highlight that crap. But I know there's got to be some some scenes where they highlight on that like I'm sticking something to this metal. Surface, oh right, right, right. Like with a with a refrigerator magnet, or someone uh, just got looking at a photo on a refrigerator. Or exactly something. right. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's the kind of thing I really, really wanted to. Uh, to find uh, just to mess with Kelly. But well, I guess I, maybe I if you weren't so busy watching six Fast and Furious movies this week, jeez, <laughs> that, was, that was foolish. I believe. Seven, yeah. yeah, that yeah. was foolish. But that was my goal, and I, and I totally failed right. it. So instead, I got the Spy Who Loved Me. Well, Kelly, one, what did you you said that was one of your picks? Yeah, that's my number two. Right. Um, 
it was well, a, it's an awesome one. I wish I remember why the magnet was there, but like remember I don't Dingus? either. I because I, I couldn't see the whole movie, but I remembered that moment where Jaws gets lowered into the shark tank. Dude, that movie made such a huge impression on me because it was the first time, it was before Indiana Jones, it was the first time I'd seen like a hero be nonchalant about imminent peril. Like he's totally unimpressed by Jaws, even though Jaws is killed. He's he's grinning at him. Yeah, he's laughing at him. And he's laughing at him like while Jaws is taking apart their van with him. Like he's trying, he's flirting with Barbara Bach and making fun of Barbara Bach too. Like try the other key fool. Like he's totally talking shit to her while like Jaws is fucking mutilating there. And then he drops that rocket on his foot. Come on. That guy's great. He's one of the all time great. It's directed by Lewis Gilbert, who also directed Moonraker and you only live twice. And I, I forgot that. Yeah, I just think that that way. got laid the night he needed to be awake or something, obviously. Because that movie has a real charge. It's a really fun movie. And, and, and isn't The Spy Who Loved Me the one where the, the car goes underwater? And they, yeah, there's and a million. That, yeah, and Kermit Rose trying to shoot them. She's in a helicopter and shooting missiles at them. But isn't, doesn't the car have that special security system? I remember this having seen in the, from being a kid, like where like one of the henchmen, like, breaks the window with his rifle and the car explodes. Is that the spy who loved me? I don't remember that. All right. You mean their underwater car? The the underwater car, they eventually park it, and this this henchman dude tries to get into it by breaking it with the butt of his rifle, and the and the car just explodes. That's a pretty severe way to try to protect your car. Yeah, it's it's a pretty bad security system. Um, yeah, but that's something that's awesome about that movie. It's got a really high body count. Like, a lot of people fucking die at it. And two nukes go off. Like, it's it's a huge... And James Bond doesn't even give a shit. He's just like, yeah. It's yeah. like... He has to go to that super tanker and like rescue the submarine, and he's out, he's a prisoner too. And then he has to go to the other base. Like he has like a thousand things to do, and he fucking gets it all done like by noon. It's just like yeah, he gets it done by noon. <laughs> Stupid Jaws gave him to a shark. Well, what's your number three, Kelly? Uh, okay, this is my only shitty one. So my number two was the Spy Who Loved Me. Um, my number three. This is me realizing I had to still do some Offices rewriting. Uh, is in Super 8. <laughs> what? At the end, when the kid says goodbye to his mom by letting the aliens take his locket and, like, stick it to their ship because they need one last thing to make the ship fly out of, fly back into space. And so he, he takes his locket with his mom's picture in it, his dead mom. Good lord, I don't even remember what you're talking about. Uh, you yeah, because there's like something in the, in the... Isn't the whole town... Like, it's set up in a water tower or something, and it's yeah. sucking metal from everywhere in town. Yeah, and it's oh, taking engines out of the cars. <sighs> and, uh, right. Remember when the guy takes on a train with uh, a jeep, and the train loses and, like, goes off the tracks, and, like, 40 cars get derailed, and he's still alive afterwards, like, ugh. Yeah, it's, it's, it's in the beginning, but, yeah, at, yeah, the yeah. End, at the end, and it's symbolic of him letting go of his mother's death, Dingus. It's a very touching, symbolic it's moment. Top oh, I remember it's, that. Dingus, I didn't remember there was a magnetic part. I, I remember, remember the exactly pit? what you were talking about. Yeah, it's, remember the pit it's, with the chick with curlers in it running around? Dingus, no. it's, it's, it's what we call fraught with meaning. Mm. That's my number three, because this topic is stupid. 
Well, my number two, this isn't a stupid topic, Kelly Wand. My number two is Magneto getting metal from a guard, this guard's blood so he can get out of the, That's my number one. the metal safe prison in, in X-Men 2. That's the best. That's such a great... I actually do like that scene. That's I hate this brilliant. topic. This is a topic that shows, it shows... Kelly Wand, it shows nothing but disdain for the 3 by 3 How dare you? How the, dare... The 3 by 3 is an esteemed institution, Kelly Wand. You should treat it as such. So both well, of you have Magneto as X-Men 2. So I actually do. My number one I like because this is so stupid. But I actually do like this scene. This scene is really cool because they have that whole setup where Mystique is like doing – like why is she seducing this guard? What is she injecting him with? What What's going on? Um, why is Magneto caring all of a sudden that the guard's in the room? Right, right. Yeah, what, what's afoot? Like that's what you're thinking. And then when you find out what's afoot, you're like, oh, cool. And the payoff where he's like shooting little balls around yeah. and use them as a weapon. Stuff, that's kind of cool. It's it's great. It's such yeah. a genius. And so, then he has that. like He twists the knife on the guard. He's like, never trust a beautiful woman who's interested in you. Right. Exactly. Like, the guy's already fucking lost his job and got an ass full of ball bearings. When he's dead, this is killing him. Like he's not going to. He's not. Oh, yeah. So his last thought is, damn it. I no chick liked me. Right. Oh, yeah. He's asshole. So do people not like X Men Two or I love no, it? No, I love it. It's it's an awesome movie. It's the best. Um, it's three that people you guys are even talking yeah, about so. it. Why are you, why can't you believe we're talking about it? it has a you cool don't like scene. you don't like any of those X Men movies because of the masks and whatnot. No, it's, yeah, it's it's goofy. Yeah, you, there's no not even Ian McKellen can pull off. All right, what's what's the alternate title for X Men Two? Oh man! X-Men uh, oh, ah, good job, Kelly. Oh, I was going to say uh, Mutants in Trouble. That's the one also where the government. <laughs> Mutants in Trouble, M-I-T. <laughs> that works. Uh, yeah. Oh, and that is, yeah, that's where the government attacks the government the, attacks, the school. Yeah, and then and Wolverine fucking kills them. Ah, right, right. That's he wasn't allowed to kill anyone after that. jet under the basketball court. <laughs> that's no jet, Dingus. That's oh, the, awesome. X, the Exmo plane. The Exmo plane. Excellent. That movie rules, I think. And Spy Love Me like also rules. Um, you know why? Because movies with magnetism in them rule, Tom. Well, wait till you hear my number one choice. Wait, how did they know that the red horseshoes were magnetic when they first discovered it? What? Dingus, do you know what he's talking about? I have no idea. Oh, like the traditional magnet shape, like in cartoons, where it's the red horseshoe-shaped magnet. Whose turn is it? It is Dingus's turn. Or no, yeah, it's Dingus's turn. Dingus, what is your number? All mine are done. All right, here's a quote from my number two. I just broke through a number six, and the electromagnetic came like a came down like a fucking anvil. When Dingus acts, it always makes me think too much. I think he was also doing an accent too. Yeah, which I know. Also makes me. I wasn't really doing it. It's his John Turturro or his. I thought it was his. It was. It had a gobbler. Please, I thought it had a little of of his Russell Crowe. No, his Russell Crowe's all like he's all porcine. All right, here's 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 the normal voice. The same. Uh, (laughs) The seventh lock, the electromagnetic seal. You do understand the circuits cannot be cut locally. It's got to be one of the Mission Impossible's. Oh, Ghost Protocol. Yeah, didn't he have that suit? Oh, that's good. That was a good one, right? No. Oh, is that not it? No, this is from the movie Die Hard. Uh, right, the, there's no they, magnets in Die Hard, Dingus. The uh, the safe they have to break into in Nakatomi Plaza it has a le- an electromagnetic seal, and what happens is that Theo has to break through the six physical seals using his enormous drill, and he's told Hans 
you understand that the seventh seal, seventh seal, cannot be cut through locally by the local circuits. Once we get through that, the electromagnetic lock that is that surrounds the safe is going to lock the safe down entirely. And then when, indeed, when Theo gets through that, physically gets through the, the sixth lock, the the electromagnetic thing comes down. But how can they get through that? There's no way they can get through that if as well, long as the building is powered. Well, Han, well, Hans Hans is ready to provide a miracle in the way of no way. providing the FBI. So the FBI, of course, cut the entire grid because they're playing by the terrorist playbook, and they cut the entire grid of that part of Los Angeles. And once they cut the entire power grid, not the local circuits, but the entire power grid, the electromagnetic seal is released and the uh, the safe opens. So I, I, I just love that that whole idea of the electromagnetic magnetic Remember when Die Hard movies were awesome, and then by the fifth one, even radiation is like, okay, you gotta wear these special suits, and like, that's the level of science. Okay, you don't even need to wear the suits. We're fine. We just spray the stuff on our... This, we just use water to hose down. Are you guys ready to take the Die Hard quiz? Yes. All right. Okay. This be each each question is worth one point, and whoever answers first gets the point. Ready? Uh-huh. What uh, about? Wait, how do I phrase it? What? <laughs> uh, which group did Hans Gruber read about in Time Magazine? The Asian Dawn. Damn, Dana says the only question I had. You get one point. You win. <laughs> this is the stupidest fucking game. All right. What did the elephant? You lost. Wait. <laughs> Okay, I, I counter... Usually this is a Jaws quiz. This is, I'm surprised. <laughs> I actually have had this conversation with a few people in the last couple of weeks. Dingus, I think you were one of the people. Um, Bruce Willis wasn't an action hero, like star kind of guy, when they cast him in Die Hard. He was just Moon Moonrise Kingdom. What was he? Moon, he was the Moonlighting guy. He was, moonlighting, like a, thank you. he was like a light TV comedic actor. He was Hudson Hawk. When they cast it, that was after Die Hard, yeah, wasn't it? Well, that's what I'm saying, but he yeah. was like, he was Hudson Hawk in Moonlighting, basically. Except it wasn't a period. Well, here is another thing. So I was having when I was explaining this to a friend of mine. Hey, do you know that Bruce Willis was in Die Hard? You know, when they cast him, he wasn't an action hero. Um, and my friend was like, "Well, yeah, duh. He was just in Moonlighting." So, which had action? Well, that's my question. Is so I, I just assumed in Moonlighting gun. he was playing like a detective or something yeah, like that. He was. Oh, that's because that's what I said, and my friend was like, "No, I think he's a journalist." What? No, that's uh, Bonfire the Vanities. And he's a scumbag journalist. He's a tabloid. What? So he Wait, is a, he, he is, thought he was a journalist in Moonlighting? That's the dumbest thing. My friend was like, yeah, I think Sybil Shepard runs a magazine, and he's no, a writer. What? She's a former model, as in all of her movies. Oh, what? That's such a dumb... That's how Who I is this friend? It sounds like a dumb conversation. It's my friend that you know, Kelly Wan. We call him Steiner. Uh, and he was explaining to me, he was trying to remember Moonlighting, and he was telling me, because I was like, well, yeah, do they, solve, do they solve crime, or you know, what kind of yes. stuff is going on? Well, he told me, no, they don't. I think she's like a magazine editor, and he's one of her writers. Wait a minute. That was how Moonlighting was described to me, So, which made it even more remarkable to me that this guy was cast in Die Hard. <laughs> Steiner. Wait, you just took Steiner's word for it? Like, oh, that's plausible. I didn't, I didn't. He was so, a writer. I could, yeah, Bruce Willis was cast as a journalistic – he typed – so he was a detective in Moonlight. Yes, it was a detective agency. Well, that makes it less uh, impressive. That makes it less implausible to me that he was. Right. It makes it less of a feat to me that he was cast in Die Hard. Yeah. Oh. Although I remember when Die, before I saw Die Hard, like, oh, Bruce Willis is trying to make an action movie. Pfft. 
But isn't Moonlighting so, – I never watched a, a thing about Moonlighting, but wasn't it trying to sort of play off of film noir? It was wacky. But in a no, wacky way? It was, like, it was uh, Break the Fourth Wall wacky. Oh, they right. Were, wow. like looking at you and I didn't going, know any of that. All right, we got rid of the Mark Harmon character. That kind of thing. Hmm. But it was it was good at first, and then it became a success, and then it ruined the show. Well, that's what happens on TV. Yeah, all the actors hated each other and the show, and the, except with Lost, which carried it through. Ugh. So, Dingus, your number two pick is Die Hard because the electromagnetic lock that Hans Gruber gets through by getting the FBI to cut the power. You're counting that as a magnet. Yeah, electromagnetic lock. That's a power failure. Because no, no, your your topic is about your favorite magnetism. Right. So, favorite. Yeah. So electromagnet. I, Kelly wants magnetism. So Kelly, I have a question for you. Who is griefing your topic more, Dingus for lumping electromagnetism in, or me for picking all magneto things? You're electromagnets always... are magnets. All right. I'm just asking Kelly Wan to question Dingus. Oh, that's a good point. I don't know. Kelly Wan, do you I have think any? Dingus is Dingus means well. As always. <laughs> Fair you enough. You always mean ill. Holding a bridge and but then you go, oh, I'll just I know what Kelly's going to say, so I'll pick the same ones and then and then sneer at him basically. While as Dingus goes, are you really gonna- electromagnets? Huh? No, I, I can't. If, if Tom chooses another electro, uh, another magneto one, <laughs> I'm going to be totally surprised. Wait, did you? No, he maybe up, I'll, I'll choose some electromagnetic thing. Yeah, Dingus, maybe I'll choose. No, I, I thought you were going to choose something. I thought you. Were, I. Uh, I totally thought about what I thought you were going to have for your number. Two. Well, here's my number one pick. Then it's when Magneto uses his power. No, it's not Magneto. I tricked you. Uh, my number one pick is the core. Where the Earth's uh, magnetic core is like changing rotation direction, and therefore Hillary Swank and Stanley Tucci have to drive a a, a drill train to get unobtainium or something. Wait, what like part? Earth's core. Not the whole movie. The part where they explain about the Earth's magnetic core. They, oh, using the spray can and the the lemon or whatever. Man, I don't remember that part. But yeah, that. Part. What do you talk? Uh, I thought you were gonna pick like that first scene where the dude's pacemaker goes out. <laughs> Okay, I'll that's that somehow it. electromagnetic. Yeah, that's uh, Tom's. That's his dumbest. A bunch of Xena tapes and some um, hot pockets. Hot pockets. Yeah. My, uh... my favorite part of magnetism is when the wave, the waves crash on the shore in a boat movie. There, see. Is I that electromagnetic? That's gravity, Kelly Wand. Same. I it's know the that. same. It's they're all related. They're gravity four and electrom- Please go watch Interstellar uh, again and learn something. You, gravity is electromagnetic fields. What was what? Dingus? Did you just switch your pick? I did not. I actually did have Magneto, Magneto, The Core. That's what I have written okay. down right here. That was the obscure one. The movie, The Core, the entire film. That was your one where you were going, uh, this is pretty eclectic. You guys may not have heard of it. Is that what you said? <laughs> well, you know, I like to, I like to bring, you know, lesser seen movies up every now and then to, you know. All right. Well, the magnetism is going to be a different three by three and it's going to be my next one. Oh, well, Dingus, no, well, then Dingus is going to have to, you're, you've thrown Dingus into a quandary. He's already using electromagnetism. Well, I'm trying to see Kelly Dingus' science. Let's see, let's see what Dingus Electromagnetism, is. that's magnetism. What's wrong with you guys? His name's not Electromagneto. Yeah, Dingus. You're not, you're not Electro. Electro is Spider-Man's guy. Yeah, Dingus. Those two guys would never get in a telepod. They'll make me bust out the dictionary. Hmm. Hmm. Tom, um, I'm so, I can't believe you didn't pick Transformers Age of Extinction. What was the magnetism in that? Oh, that was that a magnet though? I don't know the what the aliens. Cli- the whole end where they're using a magnet. 
Was that a magnet, really? Or was it some sort of weird gravitational thing? That's what they, I think somebody actually says they're See? using a magnet right about See. the time Stanley Tucci says, oh, my God. Right, except he doesn't say it that way. Um, you say it. I can't. I can't do Come it. Come on! No, it takes a performance. Like that's a, that's a bit of acting to make you want to see a Michael Bay movie. It's in the trailer where he says, "Oh my God!" and he's seeing something really amazing. Magnetism. Damn! I wish I had thought of that. Kelly, one. Can I change my number one pick? Yeah. See, that, Transformers: Age of Extinction. What was your other one? The core. That was a terrible one. So I am going to allow it because I disapproved of you. No, I didn't even think of that thing. I mean, I love that scene, but I, it didn't. It didn't occur to me it was a magnet. It was just aliens sucking stuff up. Right, I guess that's very oh, like in Skyline. But is that the deal, Dingus? It was all metal stuff? Yeah, because I think they, they, they say that. It's all metal that they're doing because they're trying to get the Transformers. I didn't remember that because it seemed like it was pulling up buildings. I mean, build, buildings have steel girders or whatot in them. But I, but just I think they were pulling up ships and cars and all that right. crap. Yeah. Right, but hey, I just, did Linda Hamilton use magnetism against the Terminator? No, and I tried to look at that, too, after I couldn't find any refrigerator magnets in the Terminator. Hmm. Wait, do they use magnets on the vault in Fast Five? No. What if there's a body switch movie between Robocop and C-3PO? <laughs> you're going right. to have a hard time getting the licensing together for that, Kelly Wan, but I like where you're going. <sighs> By the seventh one, you'll have broken up with the entire franchise of Robocop versus C-3PO. <laughs> right. Listen, right. Right. Dingus, oh, wait, 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 is everyone gone? No, no, I, I still have oh, my, my first Dingus, what is my your number one pick? I know Kelly's number one pick is yeah, the same. My number two pick is Magneto. But Dingus, what is your favorite use of magnetism in a movie? All right, here you go. I'm going to give you guys a quote from it. I hope you guys can guess what this movie is. Hmm? Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? How is Magnus? Ah, when are Magnus used today? No, that's a great one. That's, a, that's an awesome one. He's stuck. They stick his hand to the thing. That's why he only has one hand. He has to With like, a magnet? Is his yeah, they do. His hand isn't made out of metal. That's not going to work. No, it's in. They they put him in a cuff or something. Yeah, right? it's not a magnet. Okay, no, what, it's they a use, magnet. what they use are these magnetic handcuffs. And right. one of the dudes in the uh, elevator has uh, a briefcase, but the briefcase is disguised with the with these magnetic handcuffs that look like the handle. And so these magnetic handcuffs are supposed to be so strong that they will actually bind. Captain America's uh, hands to the walls of the elevator because there's uh, so many, there's so much metal in there. Wait, what? The wait, is, Dingus, do they say this in the movie, or you're just making this? You up? can see it's metal stuck to the metal, like it's. No, no, you no, it's, hear the magnetism going. Or something. <laughs> That's not the sound magnetism makes. First of all, but Dingus, do they really explain this? No, they don't explain it, but it's very clear. It's um, definitely magnetism. Uh, the the the. When after that moment where he says that, and the and the first henchman dude tries to uh, electrocute him, um, the first magnet he kicks it away and it flies up and sticks to the wall. The other one gets caught about around his wrist and stuck to the and he and finally he gets stuck up there on top of the elevator. Obviously, he's magnetized to it, and it's so strong that if you can imagine if if they had been able to get both of them around both of his wrists, there's no way he could have gotten that ra- away from it. He, he kicks all of these dudes. I mean, I've watched this fight scene so many times. But with this one, he uses all of his strength to pull his one wrist away. And I didn't notice this until I watched the scene a few more times. Um, he goes through this whole thing where he, he goes through the whole fight, and he finally fights the last dude. Uh, who is it? Grillo? Frank Grillo. Yeah. yeah, thank you, Tom. Um where he finally like throws Frank Grill up against the the ceiling and and drops him back down. He still got Captain America still has the other metal handcuff around his wrist and he 
he uh, he says, uh, "Y'all, excuse me, but I think this is personal." And he kicks his shield back up to his his arm, and he uses the his vibranium shield to knock the handcuff off. Handcuff off. I didn't remember that, but you can see him like knocking this magnetic handcuff off of his wrist. It's really really cool. Uh, there's there's that, but also there's this weird thing that happens whenever when he like throws his shield behind him, and I I and I haven't been able to figure this out how his shield sticks to his back, and I wonder if there is some sort of magnetism because it does do, does do this sort of kaching thing that when it sticks to his back, and I wonder if there's mag- magnetism involved in that, but but really it's the magnetic handcuffs, which I love that fight sequence, and I love the idea that these things are so powerful that they think they're going to actually control Captain America with them, and they might have been able to if they had been able to execute getting both of them on his wrists. Does vibranium really get do magnets work on vibranium? Dingus? I I don't I don't know if, I don't know what the physics or the geography or the geology uh, or whatever. Okay. Yes, yes Kelly Wand. Uh, yes. Okay. Kelly Wand, <laughs> do, do magnets work on uh, adamantium? That's a complex question you probably wouldn't understand, so I'm not even going to try. It, it's, it's really complicated. Oh, yeah, it does. Isotopes. Of course it does. I mean, Magneto constantly is messing with, with, uh, with Wolverine. In the in the forest in the Brett in the Brett Ratner one he oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he almost rips him apart with it oh. yeah so absolutely. yeah he's always fucking with Wolverine actually okay right. do magnets work on unobtainium <laughs> you're the core apologist what other movie does unobtainium appear in uh, Dingus's favorite movie of 2010 Avatar other movie Avatar um wow. Well, All right, Kelly Wan, what have the listeners uh, chosen for their favorite instances of magnetism or electromagnetism in movies? You know what, that's like the Captain America one, like it only works with magnetism. Like they would, they had to justify why it would only be one hand. And with like handcuffs, you couldn't do that. Josh writes, dudes, two pretty tough ones in a row. I realize now I should have written in for last week with all picks from Remo Williams, like the part where he cuts <laughs> the prison glass with the guy's diamond tooth and then throws himself through the glass. What? Does that happen to Remo Williams? Yeah. I have not seen that in forever. I don't remember that at all. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, or the part where he's jumping through the sensei guy's gym and then sensei turns the lights off and you just hear a big crash. I do remember that. I feel Remo Mike drops the whole category. Moving on to magnetism. Oh, that was Best Landings? Uh, best landing, uh, I would include a thing from Fast Seven, by the way, Tom. Uh, let's see. Oh, the um, when uh, Dom drops his car off the parachute. Uh, no, Tyree is hitting the trees. Okay. Well, we don't actually see that. It happens off screen. Well, we don't see the electromagnetism Dingus is talking about for his diehard thing, but you know it's there. That's a good point. You got me. Moving on to magnetism, I can only think of one good one in the Boris Karloff Grinch. Oh, right. I forgot James. Oh, that's a good one. one. I like that. Yeah. She's a big horseshoe magnet to remove the nails pinning the little who stockings to the yeah, mantle. Yeah, that's a great that's one. A I don't think that's a movie, but I like that very much. It's a TV, it's a TV special, but that's cute. Yeah, I don't remember that either. Do they still oh, I show do. That? That's great. He he holds the magnet and it just pulls all the little ting ting ting. I like that. That's great. Is there a second Grinch that's not as good? Yeah, like, it's called off. Jim Carrey. Yeah. No, no. Wasn't there a sequel to the or the Grinch like helps Halloween or some shit? 
my I dream that? The Grinch steals Christmas and helps Halloween. I like <laughs> the Grinch that. helps Halloween. He helps Please. it. Write that. Paul Weimer writes, hi guys, avoiding the obvious puns and allusions. I'll just give you my examples of magnetism in movies. Number three, Magneto. Ian McKellen has a lot of examples of his power throughout the X-Men movies, Tom. My favorite is his unrealistic but still clever use of removing the iron from the guard's blood. Is Why is that unrealistic? Hold on, Paul. Yeah, what's... What, there's no, Unrealistic, please. It's a superhero movie where they wear dopey hats and have telepathic powers and whatnot. That's like the most... Yeah, it's way more... Re- that's a level of realism you never see in a superhero. Right, exactly. If all superhero movies, I mean, that's like Nolan level realism there. Compare my, that to Thor. My ten-year-old uh, uh, who was nine when he asked this did ask a question about is that what's the deal with the iron in your blood? Oh yeah, what is it? Yeah, well, actually, why did he have to inject him? Couldn't Magneto just pull the iron out of the guards, the natural iron out of the guards' blood? Well, that that's was that was one out. of his questions, and I was like, we don't have enough iron in our blood to really do that. That's why she injected him. Ah. Would have been a steel plate in his head, and then. Um... Well, they carefully screened the guards. Like that was, you know, they, they had to make exactly. sure they didn't have like steel hip replacements and whatnot. Yeah, but maybe the the steel plate—it's like Superman can't see through lead. Kelly, one in what movie already spoken about on this podcast did someone have a steel plate in his head that figured into the plot? Biggest don't answer because I bet you already know this one. Kill Bill. Nope. Tommy Knockers. Sounds like you don't know. Dingus, do you know what I'm talking about? No. Really? Yeah, what are you talking about? Um, in uh, uh, Driver, because Dwayne Johnson. Oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, faster. Faster, Jesus. <laughs> Does Aaron Paul have a steel plate in his head? Aaron Paul's head is a steel plate. One, two, magnets, three. bitch. Uh, Magneto. Okay, unrealistic, but still clever use of removing iron. Uh, number two, in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Eddie uses a tune magnet to get a sword away from Judge Doom. See, I like that. I was trying to think of stuff like that when I was briefly taking this topic seriously. Yeah. The visual appearance of the force of the attraction even has little lightning symbols. So you like gravity. I wonder how Who Framed Roger Rabbit holds up. Does either of you guys know? Yeah, I'm curious about that, too. Oh. Because that is early Zemeckis. Like, uh, that's... It's, it's mid-Zemeckis. Really? Okay. I mean, it's, and now we're in post-Zemeckis. Yeah, I mean, now he's doing stuff like Flight. But, I'm guessing uh, it does, because I remember Bob Hoskins being so good in it. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of a Beowulf apologist, though. Oh, you know what? I am as well, but, uh, yeah. Um, if we were doing mini-movie clubs, I'd, I might be inflicting Who Framed Roger Rabbit on you guys. Um, <laughs> you know what Pauline Kale said? Bob Hoskins in that movie... She said he looks like a testicle. Kelly, I love that you remembered something that Paul Pauline Kale said, specifically as something that she said. That's nice. And that's what she said. And that's her review of Roger. <laughs> well, I would imagine she might have had something else to say about it. Although maybe not. Uh, she said it was... Myth. Actually, wait a minute. I take that back because I don't understand that. What does that even mean? Yeah, what the hell? Is is she just making fun of the way he looks as a person? Yeah, you yeah. know what? I take that. I t- I'm, Kelly, Wand, I, I'm, I'm disappointed that you remembered that. I'm disappointed in you. That makes no sense. Martha Marcy May Marlene. Martha I'm going to cover that review and read it, because I don't believe you. She's like a testicle, please. Yeah. She said in Return of the Jedi, Han Solo, when he's when they defreeze him, she goes, he acts like he left his uh, garage door open. He got locked in the garage. Wait, what? God. <laughs> okay, wait, yeah, Pauline Kale's a way better writer than this. I think you're misremembering stuff. Uh, he looks, I would like to read tweets of you thinking what Paul, Paul <laughs> Kale said. <laughs> Kelly Wan's reminiscences of wait, Paul wait, Kale's reviews. Wait, wait, here's another one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jaws she is said, about a barracuda. 
Rambo <laughs> 2, or First Blood 2, the Vietnam one, she referred to it, she was in this near psychotic... <laughs> Wait, she said she compared it to a tank sitting in your lap firing at you. A tank <laughs> right, sitting in your lap, yeah. That's that what Rambo, that's what watching Rambo felt That's like. what Curious 6 felt like. That's such a weird... Okay, it's kind of adorable, actually. I like that. Yeah, I know. And it's a woman's lap. That's why That's why your Twitter account, Pauline Kale Kelly. Takes the lap fire you. That's what yeah. she felt like. Pauline Kale by a wand. Yeah. Pauline Kelly. Uh, number one, Indiana Jones' the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, Indiana God. Jones, the Rock, oh. uses a handful of gunpowder and bullets to try and find the crate in the warehouse with the oh. titular crystal skull. You know what? I agree with Tom on this. I'm not even going to finish that. I'm sorry, Paul Weimer. I Is love you. Is better idea of the, the magnetic seal in the refrigerator? Yeah. You know what? I thought of that one, too. I was going to grief myself. But I then didn't I thought that Tom would go, that's not technically magnet. Although, he does have to shut it, right? And that's magnetism. Isn't it shut with a magnetic seal, right? Is that what you're saying? There has to be a seal, otherwise the radiation can get you. It doesn't even open. The magnetism is so strong that it doesn't open even after it's blasted through the air and lands. Like, that doesn't knock it open. His weight doesn't press it open. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Arthur, Jovan, and Jelly writes... Yay! Arthur, Jovan, and Jelly. Arthur, Jovan, and Jelly. You're saying it perfectly. Go ahead. I like saying it. Arthur, Jovan, and Jelly. Arthur, Jovan, and Jelly. Welcome back, Tom. Glad you're doing better. Number three, the big easy. Dennis Quaid vandalizes a building by throwing a powerful magnet through a window. Ah, I can't remember this. Remember when I was praising that movie so recently? And how does that vandalize a building? Just by breaking yeah. the window, you mean? I don't remember that. The police put it in their evidence room. It's accidentally placed next to a security video that had incriminating footage of him. So, like, it erased. Oh, sneaky. Like, he, he knows it's going to be put there yeah. and it'll erase the tape. Very good. Right. And isn't that part of the plot in the Breaking Bad Magnets episode? Yeah. Like, that's how they do that. Easy. Right. Very easy. Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Tom Cruise uses some type of magnetism, electro dingus, to climb a very tall building. And Jeremy Renner uses magnetism to float down an air duct. Both of these strategies don't work exactly as planned. The two IMF agents must adapt. On the that's what it. No, the one with Renner and the little robot. That's mag. That's a magnet doing that, right? Where the robot has to be underneath Jeremy Renner. Oh, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I kept trying to figure out if the first Mission Impossible that that bullet train was a maglev train. Ah, good dingus. But Eggs I don't train. think it is. So I I couldn't. See, that's when I thought your I thought your seventh seal line was from that part of Ghost Protocol. I thought it was when Jeremy Renner's right. floating around. Uh. Number one, face off. Ah, oh, fuck! This is so. This is the uh, what? This Kelly is just, the best one. Kelly just had an episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, what is it? I don't remember a magnet and face off. I'm so enraged right now. That Ar- Arthur scoops you. You've been scooped by Arthur Geo. This is the best one. All right, it's one of my favorite things in any movie. Face off. Nicholas Cage or John Travolta? It's Nicholas Cage, for God's sake. It's John Travolta's uh, face. Wait. Wait. No. John Travolta and Nicholas Cage's face. It's thrown in a prison where the inmates are forced to wear magnetic boots. These boots allow the guards to lock the prisoners to the floor and track their Oh, all right. That's the best sequence in any movie. I love it so much. I love watching action movies from the Sarah, partially because they tend to invent strange tech like this. I love it too because it's in a movie about face off and like all that skin and like all, like they still found room in that 
and a speedboat chase to like have a prison with magnetic boots. It know? is a good one. Yeah, yeah. They didn't have to put that in there, but they did it anyway. Oh, you could say the same thing about Dingus's pick with the magnetic handcuffs in Captain America. I like that one too. But Face Off is so it's such an adorable anyway. Street Fighter, I'm pretty sure that M. Bison uses superconductor electromagnetism to revive and levitate himself during his fight with Colonel Guile. Tom, did you see the Street Fighter movie? You're the video gamer. Of the- I am, aren't I? But no, I'm afraid I did not. Uh, it seems like I, it picked, the poster it looked like they were dancing. Too much. Well, it is a form of dancing, Kelly Wand. It's not battle dancing. We've come full so circle. Worry. I watched this movie a lot when I was really young. Probably best that I just keep those happy memories and never revisit it. Roll Julia, right? Markardson. Number three, in the Big Easy, Dennis Quaid tosses a very large and powerful magnet through very a magnet. Nice. Magnets then place the evidence room. Number two, the strong magnet, which is used to pin one of Captain American's arms. See, Markardson gets the, the good ones. Um, the electro Number one, the electromagnetic pulse used to stop the robots from attacking the Nebuchadnezzar, the Matrix. So he went with the EMP. See, EMP was EMP, something right. you know, I, I went with electromagnetic bank vaults, but I I avoided EMPs. Yeah, because EMP all it does is shut down robots. So it's yeah, but like, there's still magnetism, and what your yeah, your topic but, was, favorite what? uses of magnetism. Yeah, and all want, the, I'm going to have to go with Dingus on this, because your topic is so like weird and narrow and specific that I, I kind of wish I'd now thought of electromagnetic, and I'd made the connection to EMPs, because if you open it up like that, there is some cool stuff, like the Matrix thing. So. Yeah, or, but that's or, not, or War of the Worlds, but no, the, the EMP pulse, the Oh my god. Knocks out yeah. all the solenoids. You know, that kind of stuff. Oh man. <sighs> Kelly one, I might accidentally be liking this topic now. That's because you didn't understand what it meant. You didn't know how magnetism works. I don't mean science don't get along. <laughs> I don't either. I don't get it. That's uh, but I like the, the pick of the world the world's opening. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean nobody picked it. I mean Dingus just not thought of it off the cuff. Or or actually had you considered that one, Dingus? Uh, no, I, I I considered and dismissed EMP early on, but I didn't think of that uh, until just now. Hold on. Hold on, Dingus. So, electromagnetic pulses, no. But electromagnetism, yes. That was your criteria. That's, that's, that's No, uh, no I, I came to Die Hard very late in the game. Okay. Uh, there, there was one other one that I had that was really uh, not even going to be very close, but... But EMPs... Are literally a Deus Ex Machina that you just see in movies. It's, it's, it's a thing, though. No, it's, it's a, a real th- thing. It's an actual yeah. thing. No, no, I know, but I'm just saying. Here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's not a legal choice. I'm saying it's never. It's not a visually interest. Like, oh, it's a memorable thing as opposed to like Jaws and a Mad. Well, I will say, you know, uh, you know, things is pick up Die Hard. It, it is. It's kind of the, the little piece of a puzzle. It's a crucial piece of a puzzle. Um, that yeah, I just don't get the magnet. It's an electromagnet. It's a magnet. I know, but the cool the cool part of the diehard thing is that he got the FBI to do it, which right. is, it's not the magnet. It's like you could go, oh, okay. You well, can't say electromagnet over and over again, saying we're going to need right. a miracle to get through this because there is no way you can you can right. subvert this otherwise. And Hans is saying, don't worry about it. I've got this. Yeah. Right. No, and it's a great and it's a great line too. Um, but. I don't know if it's like. Well, the, I guess I try to say like, okay, you got to actually see the magnet, right? I, I will say the bottom line, Kelly Wan, is that I I think I underestimated this pick. Well, there, we there's more to it than I thought. Yeah, and it well, just, you didn't try, and Dingus did try, and I'm, the list, I'm sorry, I think Tom did try. How dare you? Now, yeah. What? He had Magneto. The his the very name of the word is in. 
the name, Magneto. That's what I'm trying. That's what I'm saying. If no. Magneto, I should have taken off the table. But I was really so fond of the X2 ball That's bearing. your number one. <laughs> well, so did Look, you... I'm not saying my list is good either, but... So did, did Chris have any more picks? Or was that, that was his... No, that was three, I think. Okay. That's it. Uh, so runners up amongst ourselves. Any others that are coming to mind? I mean, the fact War of the Worlds right there. I'm like, yeah, I should have. Yeah, been. I know. See, yeah. I've this is what I hate about the three by threes. I always feel like I should get a, a mulligan and get to do them over after I hear the listener once and go. Well, you, oh, get a, you get a chance to do one for next week. Are you ready for it? Yes. Wait. I have one runner up. Oh yes, runners up. Go ahead. Um, and this is very, very tenuous, uh, but it's from Furious Six. And, uh, and I don't know if you guys remember Fury 6. It's the one with, uh, what's his name? Gosh, I can't remember the dude who plays. Huh? Luke Evans. Luke Evans. Luke Evans. Thank you, Tom. Yeah. Because he's Evans. even, he has a brief appearance and he gets a credit in Furious 7 even. Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what, what happens at the beginning is that they drive basically those weird ramp fronted Formula One cars all over. You remember those, those little cars? Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay, so uh, so after they after the team first deals with that, they're all trying to figure out what in the world is going on with those cars. This is how they were moving. This is how they sounded. I don't understand what kind of suspension this is. It seems like they're a variable suspension. It's moving in all these different ways. And um, Paul Walker, Brian says, maybe it's a magnetic suspension. <laughs> but and I was like, oh, oh, good. I've got I've got a pick. A magnetic suspension. Maybe they'll fall. And no, and no, nothing is ever said. It's just a throwaway line. Maybe it's a magnetic suspension. So that's my only interrupt. Sorry. So Dingus, and the only reason you're mentioning that is you are trying desperately to justify yourself to yourself the time you spent watching seven Fast and Furious movies last week. That is absolutely true, Tom. Yeah. You're absolutely right about that. Hey, should I watch two? I do think two is yeah, yeah. Well, actually, Dingus, so uh, yeah, break down for us like what rediscovering them just briefly you know what what is your what what did you rediscover over the course of watching all of these what is there one that really stood out for you or is there one that was worse than you thought uh, just break down for us briefly your, your takeaway from all those uh one uh, i think totally holds up and i i mentioned that earlier because of the way that speed is portrayed two holds up because um discovering tyrese is so un unbelievably enjoyable and also it's just fun to watch cole hauser chewing scenery um i really like that guy what's weird oh also mark mark boone jr shows up um uh and uh and devin aoki which i i, I think she doesn't show up anywhere else who, who um, is that i know who mark boone jr is but she's she plays suki uh she's she's a really interesting she's Asian she's woman, like, and she just disappears from the series. Okay. Um, but the weird thing for me was how uninteresting I found uh, Eva Mendes. I don't, I don't, I don't think she's attractive at all. I mean, she doesn't do it for me. So, uh, but Too Fast Too Furious is totally worth it because of Tyrese. Um, I, I really like uh, uh, Tokyo Drift because, uh, well. I think that Tom is totally right about that first sequence where the, the high school dudes are are driving through this weird uh, new housing development thing, and 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 it's before Lucas Black gets to talk too much. Uh, and also, I love Sun Kang. I just love that guy, even though it's he's just sitting, he's just sitting around eating all the time. Uh, the 2009 Fast and Furious, Fast uh, Ampersand Furious, I think is. Um, largely unforgettable, except for that opening fuel tanker thing. 
uh, in the largely gym- forgettable. Largely forgettable, you're saying? Yeah, largely. I'm, I'm sorry, largely forgettable, except for that opening fuel tanker thing, uh-huh. which I think is a great sequence. And by the way, tell everybody what uh, one of the most delightful surprises I had this week. Why did you call me in to look at the opening scene of, of Fast and Furious? <laughs> Oh, I forgot about that. Um, wh- and which one is that? That the, which one is Pervin? Isn't it, uh, isn't it that one after the opening tanker when in no, the I, newscast about the? No, I think tanker. it's Fast Five. It's, the, it's oh, oh okay. It's Fast Five is the one where they where they break that break. Um, Dominic oh, the prison break. Cross. Right, right. Yeah. The prison break, and it's it's the guy, and his his name is Jay Jackson. He's an actor who who plays Purd in uh, Parks and Recreation, and. <laughs> Right after the bus wreck and everything, the first thing you see is that typical scene of a, of a reporter reporting what's going on. And he only has like three words to say, but it's clearly purred the, the, that dude from Parks and Rec. Uh, doing the the reporting, and that was so exci- exciting. Yeah, he's such a, he's been such a running gag on Parks and Rec as Perd Happily, and like he's a recurring character. Uh, and it's it's just hilarious to just see that guy again playing a news reporter. There's no way like there's you could easily look at this as the origin story for Perd Happily or something. Does he talk like that in the? Movie? Well, he's not doing a voice in Parks and Rec, so but he's. No, he's but- He's not doing the Perd Happily gag about, I am coming to you from a thing that is happening here, and now I'm going to tell you about it. You know, he doesn't do that gag, but it's clearly that guy talking, and it's obviously him. Um, But if he was describing Fast and the Furious plot points as Perd... Wouldn't that be awesome? It'd be awesome. It would be totally awesome, but it's just great to see him say even five words and just go, hey, that's Perd! It was just such a pleasure. And especially Uh, for those of us who just are... God, I'm so looking forward to Lost World or Jurassic World, and not because I think it's going to be any good, but you know, I just want more Chris Pratt, and you know, I'd even, you know, I'd even love to see, you know, I, I I sat down and just watched. I can't stand Kevin Pollak, but he has a, 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 I guess it's a podcast and a YouTube series where he just chats with people, uh, and I just I, I was just going to look at the first part of it, and I ended up watching like two hours of, of just Nick Offerman talking to Kevin Pollak. Um, oh, nice. So I just, I just miss the cast so much. I just can't yeah. wait for more stuff. So it was delightful to be called into Dingus's room. Dingus like, okay, watch this. And I'm like, what am I watching? And then Perd happily shows up. It was adorable. <laughs> Tom, Chris Pratt's being tapped to play the next Indiana Jones. Please. Yeah, Kelly, what other month-old news do you have for us here on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, Anthony Daniels is going to be the new Karen Allen. Uh, all right, so Dingus, how do uh, then uh, six? How do uh, so that was so it was four. You said forgettable except for the tanker scene. Uh, so five and six. Uh, five and six get increasingly more uh, violent and concussive. Mm-hmm. I mean the 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 thing that is ridiculous about the it, as as it marches forward, it cares less about cars. It cares less about racing. I mean that's five. One of the most amazing things that happens in it is that they just they totally discredit this whole idea of we have to beat the cameras and we're just going to we're just going to steal four cop cars and paint them black i mean it just doesn't it's like we couldn't care less about the this sort of this whole love of cars it's right. just uh, and then 6 is 60 schmaltzy i thought it, it's fine although i did have a, lo- a couple of moments where you know where i i was you know Pretty surprised at, at Dominic jumping across a, a chasm to catch Letty and land her on a car. Uh, yeah, 
Cars break fall. So I think five and six are of a piece, and those are the mm-hmm. two we did. And I think we all felt the same, except Kelly liked five a lot more than yeah, the two of did. us did. And, um, uh, and there's just this whole feeling of so many people are being killed, which I think a lot of people thought that about Superman Returns, maybe, or Man of Steel. Maybe it's Man of Steel, where it just seems like everybody's dying in this, and there's no acknowledgement of that whatsoever. So, uh, so then we get to Fury 7, which works a lot better for me, but again, it might be sentimentality. So, there you go. All right, well, Dingus, thank you for... Uh Spending those, that would have been a sum total of probably, hours. yeah, 20, uh, 34 hours by my math, yeah. Okay. It's like a long drive, ironically. All right, are you guys ready for next week's 3x3? Three three? Inspired by Furious 7, by the way. Oh, good. So this, I don't think this will be hard. Some people might think this is a dumb one, but we'll see. Uh, we have done a 3x3 three three about our favorite explosions. That is not what this is. We've even done a 3x3 three three about our favorite timers. That is not what this is. Uh, in Furious 7, there's a moment where a package from Tokyo is sitting on uh, Brian's porch, and we discover that it is, in fact, a bomb. So what I want from you guys for this 3x3 three three is your favorite bombs. Again, not the explosion, not the timer thing. It's just in a movie, a bomb is a classic way to introduce tension. You know, when is this thing going to blow up? Here's this, this destructive mechanism. So filmmakers have to come up with a bomb. Uh, Dingus and I made, you know, many years ago, a short movie about these guys who discover a nuclear bomb. And to make it, we just took an empty beer keg and we, we like, taped a clock on it and put wires on it. And they were like, there, it's a bomb. Uh, most movies can get more elaborate than that. So what I want from you guys, your favorite bomb. And again, let me reiterate, I don't care about the explosion. I don't care about the timer. You know, tell me about the bomb itself. What has this movie done to make a memorable-looking bomb? There you go. Any questions? Uh, so, like a movie that doesn't make any money. Ah, very good, Kelly. One, I'm glad you mentioned that. I do not Ouch. mean a failed movie. That's not what I want from you guys. I want something that's going to blow up and what it looks like before it blew up. So, are you talking? And the, the, my question is because you just uh, you just said favorite looking. Are you talking about specifically the visual nature of the bomb? Yeah, yeah. Well, like, how does the filmmaker, you know, what do they do to show you, hey, here's a bomb? Is it a cool-looking bomb? Or is it something disguised as a bomb? Uh, is it a little secret bomb? Um, does you a know, grenade count? It's something. Oh, no, very good, Kaiwan. Not a grenade. A grenade is a, a weapon of war that somebody, you know, that's made to pull the pin and throw at the bad guys or whatever. By the way, I love that the, <laughs> Jason Statham's grenade had a little LED indicator for how long before it was going to go. Yeah. <laughs> I like any movie where people see something and go, get down, and, like, they, they like, jump. Like, when people get out of the way of a car that's coming through a window. Like, it's coming through you, the window. You like movies where people get out of the ways of cars coming through windows? Yeah. That's next week's three. <laughs> yeah. So if you have picks for your favorite bombs, we would love to hear them. We would love to read them on the air. Send them to 3 by 3 at quarter2three.com. The number three, the letter X, the number three, ampersand, and then you spell out, quarter to three.com, uh, and we'll read them on the air. <clears throat> uh, and next week, we will be seeing uh, Ex Machina, uh, directed and written by Alex Garland. So uh, join us for that. Uh, I am Tom Chick, and I have been joined by Christian Moloski. It's Christian Moloski. And Kelly Wand. Viva Knievel is good.
dingus bill collectors kept calling me, so since I'm trying to be more proactive, I stopped paying my phone bill. <sighs> Looks like our demon love child worked. Wait, they're talking about Brian's kid? <laughs> 